Hey everyone, I'm Deeg. I'm here today chatting with DeRoyer, long-time Guild Wars 2 fanatic, creator, streamer, and uh, just an all-around interesting dude. How's it going, DeRoyer? It's going really well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for asking. No, please I'm just excited about, uh, about this conversation. I've really been looking forward to this. Me Huge too, fan. man. Yeah. I'm a thank you. I really appreciate that. That makes my day. I'm so pleased to connect. Um, you know, I've had a great time going around uh, the Guild Wars 2 community in the last in the last few weeks and talking to various voices. I have this real like sense that there's a a, a real um, I don't know if it's a need or an opportunity, but certainly a desire to talk through some interesting things that affect the the community and each of us as individuals. And I think that the things that we all a lot things that a lot of us experience as individuals are also experienced by a lot of other folks. And it's hard to talk about. Um, and that's why I like doing this. But anyway, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Mr. DeRoyer, Guild Wars 2 is your game. Still? It, it is my game, I guess. Uh, well, technically, yeah, still. Um, I, I know a lot of people think that I've quit and uh, left it for good and uh, never coming back, all that stuff. And I think, mm. I think uh, to a certain degree, I think uh, Teapot has kind of uh, helped that rumor spread uh, like wildfire. Um, <laughs> Teapot Shout likes to the the teapot. Kinda. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, I kind of stepped down from from uh, being a content creator. I kind of stepped down from like uh, gaming in general to like focus on other things in life. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, that's that's more of what actually happened, um, I guess. But at the same time, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna be the first one to admit that. Yes, uh, I did have a bit of a. Uh, a rage quit moment. Uh, I'll I'll probably be the first one to to admit it. Sure. Um, with Gu with Guild Wars two, that kind of left me with a sour taste in my mouth. Um, mm -hmm. Not feeling like really doing all the all the hard work of creating content every day and streaming and getting invested into anything uh, yeah. related to the game. So, but yeah, there's a lot of emotions there. It's just like definitely, man. Um, I think uh, it's an yeah. emotion a lot of other people have been through and felt too. Um, and what you just said about uh, needing to have that passion just show up and do the content. Yeah, the content game is, uh, it's fueled by passion. It ain't fueled by dollars, that's for sure. That's that is definitely for sure. It's <laughs> kind of like a fun fun thing, actually, because um, back when I started doing this whole YouTube thing, it kind of was just, it was, it was purely driven by passion um, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the hope that maybe someday... Uh, out in the far out future, obviously, every problem would be solved, and uh, I could definitely live off of uh, just doing this and uh, and escape reality and, and stay in the game forever. Um, That's right. I think Animals. as uh, as I got yeah, as I got older and and, and matured a bit, I, I I got other priorities, and uh, mm -hmm. and then I just I just started seeing it differently over time. Um, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, well, let's set a baseline. Let's talk about let's how you started with Guild Wars 2. Why, why did you choose it? How did you fall in love with it? Um, what was your life like when you got into it? What's the story? It, that's actually, a, honestly, I find that to be a really interesting story. Okay. Uh, and I know that's, that's a bit of a, uh, just uh, patting myself on the back, but it isn't really uh, that kind of story. It's more of like, I, I find it interesting because it, it says a lot about who I was at the time um, okay. it, as a person. Mm -hmm. um so back when uh, back when guild wars 2 came out um 
I I kind of I picked up the game. I was very excited. I got a new PC. It was the first video game that I really played in, I mean, years. Uh, it was right mm-hmm. after my uh, high school, right at, okay. like right at the end of of it that it came out, and uh, I was super excited. But I was also super excited just to get on with like life. Okay. Um. Okay. So the game came out. Uh, it was uh, it was exciting. Uh, but I actually hated it to begin with. Like, oh I no! Absolutely despised. Why? It. Uh, but I. But I forced myself to like it. I just it, the thing was like I was an old Guild Wars One uh, uh, fan. And yeah, okay. It was Guild Wars One was the first game I ever really played for more than uh, well, I mean, a couple of hundred hours. Um, so it just kind of when Guild Wars Two came out. Well, let's actually rewind it just slightly because when Guild Wars One uh, kind of ended with the announcement of Guild Wars Two coming out, I just right. dropped it like it was hot, like the. I didn't want to play it. I didn't even touch it for, for oh, years and years. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for Guild Wars 2 whenever that comes out in the, the far distant future. Did you do the Hall of Monuments uh, before you quit or did you just yeah, yeah, quit? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Well, I kind of, well, yeah, I did it for like a couple of weeks and I was like, yeah, no, okay. um, it, this this holds no value for me. Um, okay. So it's, it's, just so people know who aren't familiar with mm-hmm. Guild Wars, uh, when they pivoted from Guild Wars 1 to Guild Wars 2 when there was a decision to do that. They dropped their plans for a third expansion and instead decided they're going to make a, a different third expansion that would pivot the franchise towards Guild Wars 2. They wanted to make Guild Wars 2 the sequel, which was Eye of the North, and one of the, the tentpole features of it was the Hall of Monuments, which is basically a, a hall that you can flesh out by getting achievements within Guild Wars 1 that then re- would result in unlocks in Guild Wars 2 for cosmetic items and stuff like that. So... um yeah, a, a lot of people were excited about that, but you weren't. It sounds like I weren't. No, I'm, not really. Like I was, I was like surface level excited, but it, in, in reality, a lot of things were happening. Was happening for me at that time. Okay, it was like I was getting older. I was a young kid. I was a young teen. Yeah, but it was like I was getting. If you were older, graduating high school when Guild Wars was, Two came out, then that means when Guild Wars One came out, you would have been like 10, 11 I years was old. Like, yeah, I think I was fourteen, like thirteen, okay. fourteen. That was thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, give or take. That Got was when I was teenager. really heavily invested in. Yeah, teenager. Yeah. Um, so there were other things growing up, but uh, but all of, even then, I was like, yeah, uh, whenever Guild Wars 2 comes out, I will give it a, a real good try, and okay. I will love it. And that was basically what I told myself. So when I when Guild Wars 2 came out, uh, I forced myself to like it, because I really hated everything about it. It was so huh. different. It, w- it wasn't Guild Wars 1. Uh, it looked like, I remember the UI. I was just thinking, this looks like absolute uh, 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 doo-doo. Uh, I'm not going to curse live. <laughs> oh, you um, can, man. We're, we're 18 plus. And, and it's still the same UI, which is the funniest thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, other, yeah, other than, uh, than the UI, what turned you off? Well, it was just it looked it looked slobby it looked uh Uh, kind of kind of just weird or blurry edges everything was just no i like refined edges i don't know it it was it was just kind of a weird experience okay because i i I very i very vividly remember hating the game but then telling myself i am going to like this game so i just kept on playing yes i kept on playing a true mmo game right there exactly exactly uh, which was the weirdest thing because um, uh, at the same time I was like I was planning on uh, going on on uh, backpack uh, going backpacking in Australia for oh. uh, four months with a with a good friend of mine. Nice. Um, and so the game came out and we went backpacking 
and uh, it was exciting. It was awesome. It was my first uh, dip into uh, the YouTube space. Actually, hmm. that was uh, that was when I started making uh, I started making vlogs, uh, personal uh-huh. vlogs, like uh-huh. travel vlogs. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was it was an awesome experience just sharing that on YouTube, putting that out. Uh, um, obviously, I've been making videos and and stuff like that for for years and years. It's always been a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was just like a natural step. Um, and we we finished our trip, and I came back, and I was like, all right. I feel like I missed so much. That was exactly when uh, the first Halloween was out. The uh the karka attack all of that stuff right at the start the of the beginning game. of the I living worlds exactly i missed those uh those first crucial episodes never to return um and mm. i felt really bad about that in a sense uh to the point where i was like all right i'm going to just dive in right after i came home i was just gonna dive in um which i did um but it was kind of it, it was a, it was an odd feeling because in reality what i really wanted to do at the time was not play games hmm. what i wanted to do was to travel the world i'd really gotten the I'd, I'd caught the bug after four months in australia i, I definitely caught the bug i was ready that to, was a great experience for you that four months back it was then. amazing it was absolutely amazing probably one of the best bit. four months of my entire life um where'd well, you go i mean what'd you do we went all over the what was that the west coast okay so we started in we started in a little little town i forget the name um but it was like a little town in the center of Australia, like right at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can look it up, but it doesn't really matter. Um, where where we uh, we got to like uh, uh, dive in in a cage with crocodiles. Oh my um, god! What's that? That like? was like that was that was like our intro uh, experience <laughs> to to get your drilling up right at the start, it, huh? Yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was like uh, I was really just like completely bitten uh, by this uh, by this travel bug, and we got uh, to experience everything. We saw uh, the uh, Uluru, the you know the the one mountain that uh, that uh, <laughs> what, what's it called? Australia actually has in the center. Okay. It's okay. it's the one that it's it's in every poster uh, of Australia or whatnot. You'll you'll goes to show what you'll I know. probably have seen it. All right, huh? Goes to, goes to show what I know. It doesn't ring a bell, but I'm sure I've seen I mean, pictures yeah. of it. That nobody knows the name, anyways. But you, I guarantee the you've Aussie seen the Mountain. Before. Cool. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and and we traveled to the west coast, and then just like backpacked uh, all the way down the west coast. Mm-hmm. Um, we get we were surfing, we were uh, skydiving. Uh, we uh. were. Uh, I got. I I took my uh, master's, uh, not master's, sorry, uh, expertise uh, divers course. Oh. Um, which was like just a week out on on the Great Barrier Reef. It was amazing. amazing. It was it was awesome. Like it was uh it was it was everything that I wished it was and more. Huh. Um and and we recorded the whole thing. Um this was back when like YouTube was uh like a just like a a lawless land, let's call it that. Uh mm. so those video those videos are not online anymore because there's so much copyrighted music uh that oh. they got banned in like four different waves until they were just deleted off of youtube <laughs> torn to shreds yeah um rip because there's just like i mean we're just using anything and yeah any good music we're just like ripping that well yeah it on the early on the days no no one no one knew what was good or no yeah. there's no control think about no, the nothing whatsoever. Yeah. yeah yeah that was like yeah what is that eight years ago now almost nine years ago so before uh, guild wars 2 yeah something like that um 
Yeah, the like, thing about no, like yeah, what, what you're describing, years. like the crocodile, the 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 skydiving, and all that stuff, and the thing that like I I don't do a lot of traveling myself. I've never been a big traveler, but I'm starting to gain more respect for it because it seems like those kinds of experiences when you're out in the world and you have to you're diving with crocodiles. The cool thing about that, I I gotta imagine, is that you're it puts you in situations where it makes you be present to the moment because you're dealing with novelty and. Very Hi. much, very, very much. It, and it that's honestly, be intoxicating. It, it, it changed me. Yeah. Huh. Okay. It, it, it was so many amazing experiences that it completely changed me and my view on what I wanted to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the weirdest thing when I got back. So what were you wanting to do before you went out? What were you thinking about doing with your life before? Well, you I think I think before I went, it was more just like I was I was very casually minded. It was like, yeah, we're gonna go to. Uh, university, get an education, play video games, chill, have fun. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Just like default um, nothing, stuff. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing really novel. Nothing that really, like... No sp- purpose. Sparked any, yeah, any purpose. Did anything Did anything wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, it, it really changed me. And I was like, I was ready to conquer the world. I was ready to, uh, to go and uh, experience all the wonders of uh, uh, that the world had to offer. Uh-huh. Um, but the thing is, uh, stuff like that costs a lot of money. Four months in Australia <laughs> is not cheap. Mm-hmm. And I paid for that entire trip by working at a uh, horrible uh, place. It was a, uh, mm. what's it called? Uh, a uh, hardware electronics uh, store for like six months. Gotta love Just retail. S- straight. It was horrible. It was a, <laughs> it was a horrible experience. Co- coworkers were terrible people. And uh, oh, like man. looking back at that, that was, it, it was honestly like sucking the life out of me. Mm-hmm. So it was like these, these great contrasts of like uh, having the life sucked out of me doing work to experience the world that is uh, so enlightening to me. Yeah. And like it, it, these contrasts didn't really mix well for me when I got back home. So it was this, I had this, this internal mental struggle where I wanted to see the world, but I did not for the life of me want the, the life sucked out of me by doing, yeah. doing the work that actually, uh, that actually would lead to that, which mm-hmm. put me in this like weird paradoxical state where um, I, well, the obvious, I didn't want to do the work required to actually experience the stuff that I wanted. Mm. And so I kind of like, dropped so much more of my attention than was actually uh i mean in hindsight uh was actually really good for me into Mm. guild wars 2 um and that became just like my pseudo adventure because i couldn't really have an adventure in in the real life Um, see the world so i went i went on a virtual adventure that's right baby and exactly exactly and it was great it was awesome it was a but but it it definitely it and it never really felt like the one thing that I really wanted to do right. with my life. Sure. Um, but I kind of but I kind of always told myself that. So I went through this whole process of like, okay, we're going we're gonna go for this this education we've been talking about my whole life. Uh, let's go. Okay. Um, okay. So it was like at the same time as like having the pseudo adventure, I wanted to also well do something um, do something that I found interesting as well. So I started, uh, well, I started my bachelor's uh, shortly mm-hmm. thereafter as well uh, in psychology and communication. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and ended up taking that, well, the whole way to, to having a master's now, uh, okay. graduating in, in, in 2020. So, Hey, congratulations. Or, yeah, 
the start of 2020. I guess that was like the end of it all. Technically, okay. is, let's not get into the technicalities, but technically I was done in like late 2019, but there were like some extra, yeah, nitpicks. Uh-huh. All right, that, all right. That, that just had to get done. All right, some skeletons sorted. in the closet to deal with. I get it, uh-huh. Exactly. Like, uh-huh. y- you know, the, there's always like a point or five that you're missing somewhere. And it's like, oh my God, could you not have told me that a year ago? <laughs> that was the situation by, by that point. But let, uh, let's not fun. get into that because that was, that's just. So yeah, you were whatever. finished in 2019, but not finished, finished till 2020. But now yeah. here in 2021, you, you're a master's, uh, you have a master's in psychology. Exactly. And, cool. uh, and I kind of, I mean, I, going back to the the whole adventuring stuff it's something yeah. that i i pursued pursued for a long time as well so um i tried to do it like here and there obviously when you're a student and you're spending your whole time streaming and playing playing video games and mm-hmm. doing all that stuff uh it doesn't really leave much room for like making making that extra buck uh to yeah. really go adventuring um but i did i did go on on several adventures here and there uh I ended up uh, running with the bulls one year, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so is that, that was, as crazy that is, as it uh, looks? Yes, it is the the it is the most dangerous, probably worst thing and dumbest thing I have ever done, and will never recommend anyone doing. There it is. Uh, it was it was so terrifyingly scary, and I did not realize until I was I was in it, um, and like so. The thing is, like, okay, so. Let me explain to you the bull run real quick and just okay. like uh, short terms. So essentially, you uh, everyone's led into like this this uh, this funnel essentially, which is just like a winding corridor all down the streets that's completely locked off with like tall walls. The gates open and you're like you're you have like two three minutes to like walk out into the into the path before the bulls are let out. Mm-hmm. You hear a, a gun go off and then you know the bulls are loose. So uh, there is this one corner that anyone who's been there will know exactly what I'm talking about. Obviously, there's not a lot of people, but it's called the death corner. Okay. And I was standing. So the bulls are coming here. I was standing right here. And the reason why it's called the death corner is because the bulls don't really know that they're going to turn. Yeah. So they skid off and like slide off to the wall on the opposite side. Makes sense. And the moment that I realized that this was the worst idea I ever had was me standing here on the corner, seeing the bulls just slam into like three guys, just completely demolishing them on the other oh. side and then continuing to run off. And I have never in my life <laughs> ran so fast as I did right there. I was terrified for my life. Oh my god! Uh, I remember. So you run this whole path all the way to the end, mm-hmm. um, which ends in like this whole this huge arena. And I remember coming into the arena so relieved that I had actually made it that I started crying. I was just like, oh, and then I started <laughs> bawling my eyes out and jumped oh the fence, god. and I was just like crying all the way out. Like I couldn't control it. It wasn't, it was just full of emotions. It was, everything was just exploding inside. Yeah, your body yeah. was just I told like myself, responding. Exactly. And I told myself I'd never do that again. Holy um, shit. Is, my, is, is, is the there time, a video somewhere? Brief- of, oh, sorry, go there, ahead. There is actually. It was on the same, same channel as well. Um, oh. So it is not there right now. But uh, okay. I, I have the feeling that, uh, that I, have to, I have to pull those out at one point again. I want to see it. Because I have the backups. 
um, I just need to I just need to upload them without the music. <laughs> to Roy, running with the What did your girlfriend say? Yeah, uh, she refused to talk to me all throughout the. Uh, so I was off with a friend to Spain, and she didn't want to talk to me on the phone uh, for the entire duration until it was done. Mm. Uh, understandably, it was done. It was done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've 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 still had those uh, ad- adventures here and there, and um, I, I, it's still a huge passion of mine uh, to explore and see the world. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's one of those things that I more started to to re- begin to realize uh, uh-huh. in a, in bigger scales now that I've gotten older and kind of taken step back from from uh, from Guild Wars Two. Sure. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because. Uh, we still have a lot of Guild Wars 2 to get through, so to speak. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, throwing yourself into Guild Wars 2, um, you said that you, um, and we can get back to where you are now, of course. Um, you said that you made yourself like it. Did you? Were you successful in making yourself like it? Or did, did that feeling stay oh, yeah. with you? Okay. Definitely. Uh, definitely. I when mean, did you turn the corner? I, I don't actually remember. That, which oh. is the funniest thing. I, I, I very vividly remember the first the first time that I jumped into the game, hated it, and then I don't remember when it switched. Mm. But, but but it just kind of happened over time. Gradually. Um, mm. it, it, it might as well have been like Stockholm Syndrome for all I know. It was like, I feel, I mean, this is my home now. Let's go. Uh, I might as well love it, right? But yeah. I, I, it never really felt like that. Um, so I wouldn't, myself describe it as that but i don't know when it switched mm-hmm. uh, but it did and i just got really invested it was like get one one character to 80 uh get the next character to 80 just continue continue and then the living story came out get every achievement focus on that do all those things and then at some point during um i think it was like late season one mm-hmm. i started doing uh uh guides on how to do these achievements because I felt like oh. I was so efficient at some of these, uh, these things. Um, in hindsight, it wasn't really that efficient. I was, I was kind of terrible at some of the, some of the things, but Hey, <laughs> you live and learn, right? Be kind to um, our past selves. We try. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really have any recording gear or anything. So what I did was I would like mix everything together. So, uh, I would stream, uh, all of my my entire recording, I would stream it to Twitch because I was convinced that no one was watching it, uh-huh. and and no one really was. Uh, at least I don't know. And then I would take that, I would rip that like hour long recording of me going through over and over again, trying to get all achievements in one go. Mm-hmm. I would rip rip that out and then edit it down to something that I could put on YouTube, uh-huh. um, and then mix sound in and and stuff like that. So it was very very uh, like haphazardly but i found very i found a huge joy in that uh-huh. i've always felt like a great joy with like content creation okay well just like making videos um so yeah it, it just it, it really stuck with me very quickly that people are interested in in guild wars 2 videos i like making mm-hmm. videos mm-hmm. and i feel like that was like the time when i really started getting into the game it was like right. i feel like i need to I need to get every achievement because I need to tell people how to get every achievement. Right. It felt like that at the time. Right. Um, so it became this like self-fulfilling thing. And then I was watching uh, Wooden Potatoes who was covering all the news. And God all of a sudden I wanted to cover the news. It yeah, was like yeah, everyone yeah. was copying him. 
Um, uh-huh. And then I realized, obviously, that oh, uh, I mean, everyone's copying him. I I need something something to distinguish myself from okay. from him. And then then I think it was uh, it was really it was well, you know, that was I'm getting ahead of myself. Theory and characterology was the ah, first real yes. thing that I that I felt like I was doing that was uh, your character deep dives. Talk about that. What, 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 exactly. what went into those? I, it was actually. It's the first time that I did like character animation, um, oh. and it was very light character animation. I remember that. The reason yeah. why I mention is is, or the reason why I mentioned character animation is because it's something that, well, I do uh, on a on a more daily basis now. But I'll, I'll get oh. I'll get to that later, okay. I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was like the early steps of like getting into actually animating stuff, doing stuff that was more. Nice, animation focused uh and i really loved that um but it was huge undertakings like it was taking up so much of my time yeah um because the editing process process takes forever the recording process takes forever uh much of the footage was already like gone um because it was like season one material i was trying to dig up like scraps here and there from from like weird videos on the internet right and piecing it all together Nowadays, I mean, what I did then is impossible um, because yes. most of those like nitpicks, they're gone. Right. Um, they don't exist anymore. Um, How so weird I, is I that, feel like man? I really, yeah, that was really, really anyway, something. Um, yeah, let's put it really, part one it really out for season out one and it's content. Huh? Part one out for season one and it's content. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Damn. Anyway, Damn. so it's teri- poor. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically, not literally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Syrian characterology, I had a lot of fun with that, but it was just taking up too much time. And I wanted to, I always felt like I wanted to reinvent something or invent something new, yeah, not of reinvent, course. but mm-hmm. invent something new, do something new, push myself, make your own um, mark. Do, exactly. Do other things, um, which pushed, pushed me into mind spike and which was a very, very popular series. I loved your um, mind spikes, man. Those, those got me high. And a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing is, like, I love them too, and I probably love them more than I really than they really deserved. But I really fucking loved it. It was it so, it, it was such a such a passionate project for me in mm-hmm. in many different ways. It was like I really loved the game. I really loved all the the uh, the stuff that might be going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, the lore, uh, all of the all of the little little details that might right. lead to something. Yeah. Um, and I have numerous, like so many, uh, unfinished, like they're like eighty percent done manuscripts of like mind uh, Oh man, that's tantalizing. That never, that never saw the light of, light of day. But right. I, I felt like I had so many great ideas that I. But I would always get to like the final stage where it's like, but does this make sense? Um, uh-huh. And and usually I couldn't really justify it or. I, I something new was happening or like and the ball was rolling so fast in those early uh, living story episode uh, episodes mm-hmm. uh living well living story days um that it was it was almost hard to to really keep up especially with like long form content that was scripted and animated and i mean yeah yeah man. huge amount of work so, so and it was so, so everyone knows like these mind spikes were these awesome like lore explorations that you went on where you would talk through a concept or a problem that was presented by the world or by the lore. Like you did one on, on the all, which was this great mystery that was stood up in season two with, uh, the vision uh, and, and today, machine. my favorite. 
Yet, yeah, I I actually went through and re rewatched through it the other day just to like refresh myself. And man, um, it is a great piece of content on a great um piece of world building. Thank you, thank you. D uh, too kind. Wait, hold up. Okay, I gotta open my door because I am I am absolutely all right. We're, we're smoking them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I also just realized that uh, my cat was stuck outside, so uh, oh, that was good. poor kitty. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> what's, right. what's the cat's Perfect. name? Uh, his name is Bully, and we just got him. Bully. Um, we didn't uh -huh. pick the name. We didn't pick the name. It was uh, okay. He's an older cat. Okay. Um, but he's cute as hell and very, very uh, well adjusted. Sort of like weirdly enough. That's a blessing. Uh, but where? But, but where did we uh, leave off? Oh, we were talking um, about how amazing Mind Spike is. Yes, the the all episode was probably the one that really got me, uh, got me like hooked into the deeper meaning of what the lore could be and everything. Uh -huh. I got really, really excited about it, and everyone else was so excited about it that it, it just, it just really, it sparked this energy around all yeah. the hypothesizing that was going on, um, theorizing. Uh, it, it was just it was a crazy time honestly the uh, living world season season one two and three was definitely the peak of like uh lore theories everything because, because every at that time everything was possible it seemed mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. it seemed like the, the the entire game was just an open book um and anything could happen right. um lo and behold that uh, <coughs> uh never really did happen so mm. yeah yeah uh, yeah, so it, it's one of I think I think yeah one of one of the things that um, that really annoyed me over the years with Guild Wars was the fact that I I had been so invested in the lore I had been so invested in all these theories everything mm -hmm. that was going on um, but it never really seemed to to pan out mm -hmm. um, it never really seemed to to really live up to all the all that it really could be. Mm -hmm. um, I always felt like there was something lacking. I always felt like there was there were so many loose ends. Um, it was like I, I used this analogy actually <laughs> uh, recently uh, in a conversation with with one of one of my friends. It's, it's uh -huh. like uh, uh, Chekhov's gun, right? Yes. Do you know that? Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. yeah so Chekhov's gun is like the, yeah. It, it's the it, it's this uh, storytelling aspect where. Uh, you essentially okay so Chekhov was a, a fantastic writer he, he he wrote also about actually how to write and he had this mm -hmm. concept called Chekhov's gun which is basically to say that if you are going to tell about uh, a gun if you're going to have a gun in the scene mm -hmm. you must also fire this gun in the in the uh, following scene mm -hmm. there must be an outcome to a whatever payoff. you're presenting the viewer yeah. with yeah exactly a payoff and I feel like uh, for Guild Wars 2, it's been a long uh, string of guns all over the room that have just been yeeted out the window. Uh, there's, <laughs> never really, there's never really been a great outcome for, for many of these fantastic uh, s potential story plots. Yeah. Um, and that, that was probably what really burned me out in, in doing Mind Spikes. And really, mm -hmm. even being invested in the story, um, it all just kind of it felt futile to even hypothesize about these fantastic 
little details that were hidden all over the world and um, uh, per- person or uh, characters or uh, weapons or whatever creatures <laughs> that might be, be coming. Because in, in the end, it was just, it felt, it felt like they were just going in an odd direction at all times. And yeah, all of a sudden it turned out to be super streamlined. Um, like se- season four, season five, Path of Fire, all that. It was like, okay, I know exactly where this train is headed. There's, yeah. there's no, there's nothing really, there's nothing really exciting about the story. There's no, there's no mystery anymore. It's just kind of, I, I know what the final destination is going to be, more or less. Obviously, I mean, with, with yeah, yeah, deviations here. It's really, at that point in in the game, it feels like before that, Guild Wars Two is a game where Elder Dragons existed and they were a problem to solve. But it really felt like in season four and Path of Fire and moving on, all of a sudden the game became about dealing with the dragons. Whereas before that, it didn't feel like that as much. Um, at least yeah. for the post-release content, it's almost like exactly the the sense that I got as someone who started. I started playing in 2015, just after the Silver Waste release, so I missed all of season one. I had to catch up on season two, um, but I I got to uh, I had plenty of time to catch up because of the, the content drought leading up to Heart of Thorns. And um, but the sense that I got is that uh, there was like no hurry to figure out what how to deal with the dragons at the t- at that time. See. Uh, Season two, season three, Heart of Thorns, even where we did kill a dragon, but it's we didn't really, did we really answer any questions or propose any other big mysteries about the way that or um, yeah, I'm I'm probably not not putting this very well, but that's the real sense that I had at that time, and and then I you're right, really, yeah, because um, it it, it yeah. felt like early on, it felt like everything was open ended. It felt like the devs, uh, for better or worse, maybe they just didn't know where they were going, but it mm. felt like they just had this vast universe that they wanted to tell stories in. And it wasn't bound to any particular red thread or anything. It felt very like sandboxy. anything could happen. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which made it so super interesting. There were mysteries right. all around every corner. Uh, and everyone was hypothesizing about the little, littlest details everywhere. Every episode was getting scrutinized uh-huh. um, for every single little aspect of it. And that just kind of, well, it died down um, after a couple of seasons. Uh, when it, I mean, if there are so many guns just getting yeeted out the window, it right. really just feels futile to try and speculate what's going to happen with the gun. Yeah. So that... Um, Everything you said about the Chekhov's gun is something I've thought about before. In fact, I made a post on Reddit responding. So I, I did a podcast uh, with Tom Abernathy, the, the narrative director, over to reading that. And fantastic. And, I, lear- I, I, I listened to it as well. It was, oh, it was really great. It's really insightful. He's, uh, he's quite a character, and uh, he's got so much insight into, into everything. He's uh, fantastic. Yeah. Tom's an awesome dude. I feel very blessed that he, that he just took the time to talk to me and all the other devs I've spoken to as well. Um, and, you know, it was interesting hearing his perspective kind of coming in hot right when Heart of Thorns was getting ready, and then Heart of Thorns, Path of Fire was getting ready to release. And how do you, how do you start paying off on some of the, some of the big things about the universe? Um, I really have a lot of sympathy for, for how hard that is. Um, but one of the comments uh, that I saw um, on the Reddit thread for 
the podcast after I posted it was someone just saying like, I'm sorry, like, I just don't care anymore. Like, I, I understand that there's great intention here and there's certainly talented people, but I've been burned too many times. It's kind of like what you're saying. And that was my response. Yep. Like, yeah, there have been there, there, I literally said there are Chekhov's guns sitting all over Tyria waiting to be fired and they're just gathering dust. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Great minds think alike, I guess. Well, I, I happen to stumble into the same video you did probably on YouTube explaining it to me. I'm not sure how you learned about that. How did you learn about it? I don't know. It's one of those weird <laughs> things that I picked up some somewhere along yeah. the line. I mean, yeah. I I like I very much like reading. Um, so it's like I, I don't know something just pops up and I'll read anything. Yeah. Uh, so absolutely, I don't remember where I have it from. <laughs> yeah, we all pick up stuff like that. But anyway, it, it's a great yeah. it, it's a great um, way to explain those feelings of frustration. And you know, one thing I hadn't really given a lot of thought to that you just suggested is. Um, the different eras of the post-release um, Guild Wars 2 universe. And I think you're really right to suggest that early on that th there was a time when it when it tipped over from being more open-ended, like not really a clear sense of where things are going, which on the one hand, if you're there to like experience a story, like 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 a serialized story, um, maybe that's frustrating. But if you're there to like, like, like how, imagine how you were engaging with the content where you're doing all the achievements you're playing all the game modes more than almost anyone else I've ever seen DeRoyer. You're someone who takes Guild Wars as it is and plays all of it. You aren't like, oh, I just do this content or I don't, I just do this content. That's been my impression of you. Is that, a, is that fair to say? It is very, very fair to say. I've always tried to dip my toe into any, any piece of the, the game because, I mean, it's part of the game that I really love to play. Uh, mm -hmm. I always wanted to to have everything and do everything and, and mm -hmm. just be everywhere, know everything. Go on about all the, the adventures. The yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and so, and you, you can't really do that. You can't know everything. You can't, you can't partake in everything. If you're not really doing the thing, uh, yeah. then you're just a, a guy with an opinion. Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Was, well, our, like, yeah. at the end of the day, it's, uh, there are always guys with opinions out there. Um, yeah. But no, I really respect the um, that you um, like. I think before before we actually turned the recording on today, I was just kind of going over a couple things with you, and you had said, "Hey, you know, it sounds like you really do your research." And I, and I said, suggested that it takes a lot of context to really understand anything and to talk about it in not just enough detail, but the word I like to think of is useful, useful detail. Because at the end of the day, if we're just here to flap our gums and give ourselves some dopamine hits, like, is it, is it really worth the time? I'm hoping what we can do is create some useful um, handholds, people to incorporate into their models of thinking about how they engage with the world and with the game and how they talk about both. Um, that, that's kind of why I show up to do this. I, and the, I really like that, that point of view. Uh, I really you. like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's essential to me. And... Um, I have always seen you as someone who has a dedication to not just not just have a um, let's think of it as like a like like a hot take on the game of Guild Wars Two. You're someone who who has erred in the side of wait, I really want to know what I'm talking about, and when I do talk about it, I want to be very careful about what I say. And those two things combined with each other uh, is a is an attitude I really really risk. It's almost like an academic type of type of attitude. You do your research. You check your sources, you get peer peer review, you know, 
it's it's almost like I've uh, been in this rat race for six years. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just like the academic world is a is a is a rough mother. Here it's sometimes honestly. Oh, yeah. better you than me, bro. So I, I I very I very much know that uh, that process very well, and yeah. and and obviously, yeah, I I try to stick by that. Um, in in many regards, um, I. Apropos hot takes, I've never really mm. been the. I, I I know a lot of people see me as like this uh, very opinionated guy, and sometimes okay. through the through the tea time the tea time episodes that I've kind uh-huh. of been on, uh-huh. sometimes I can get a bit uh, loud about my opinions, obviously. But okay. I I always try to base it on something that I truly genu- genuinely feel is an issue. Um, okay. Before I actually voice it as an opinion, and usually, I mean, or sometimes at least, people just, I mean, tr- try to sensationalize something mm-hmm. um, that isn't really all that sensa- uh, sensational. Um, I've I've definitely run into that a couple of times. Um, yes, especially especially during like some of the times when uh, my name has been in the spotlight. Uh, yeah, people yeah, try definitely. to take a lot of things out of context and. Uh, Try to blow it out uh, to be something that it, it maybe maybe wasn't, um, and and yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. hazard of telling saying what you think in the public. I think exactly. It's just yeah, showing but... showing up for the conversation. You know? It ain't easy, dude. And I I did hear the bait you 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 so kindly provided me to talk about dramatic <laughs> instances. We're gonna get there. We're not there. We're not ready yet. I don't think, but we're gonna get there. Um, yeah. So okay, um, thinking about. Um, the turnover with Guild Wars 2 from the era of like kind of more sandboxy lore, like no clear direction, things maybe being, being a little all, all, all over the place, which in turn gives the community a lot of chances to jump in and kind of make their own content. Like, oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? This is cool. And then we turn over to an era of, oh, the game is about this now. It's very clearly not about this other stuff. This is discouraging. Why would I still make content about this? And did your content, uh, so was this like a gradual realization for you? I don't know when your last mind spike was. I can't remember. Years ago. Okay. Years ago. Um, honestly, I don't remember when when the last one was, but uh, I think it was right before. Yes, I do remember now. The last one was uh, the wing uh, four, three. Wing, wing four three. was Bastion. Wing three was it the the one with Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Salvation Pass. Era. No, that's the one before. Okay. Damn, I've it's been so long, dude. That I <laughs> that I've raided. People are gonna like. Oh my god, they're gonna come from my throat now because I don't remember hey, the, the names of this. Speaking of raids, Ooh. today is the second anniversary of the release of the final raid wing of Guild Wars Two, Kiev Adashim. Damn. Dude. So happy Thank birthday me. to Wing Seven. Happy birthday to the Wing Wing Seven. Yeah, and to all the and to all the raiders out there. Let's uh. Um, Pour one out for Guild Wars Two rating. Damn, I am I am all aboard for that. Cheers. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the um, the last man spike I did was was Wing Three. Uh, that was with Lazarus. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I'm remembering right. This it might be yeah. Wing Four. The, no, 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 that, no. That's right. The one with the one with Lazarus. I think Wing was Four was Deimos. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to do something on Wing Four, um, but that was already when I was starting to feel that like 
what's actually going on here because at the mm-hmm. at the time it was like Lazarus is coming is coming into place everything was so exciting where are we going i even remember yeah and there was uh, the white mantle and the sauce up in the living world right that was so there's cool so much, there's so much good happening at that time and i yeah. even remember like hypothesizing about uh, an icy area uh coming into the game from uh-huh. wing three but that was just like a, a random weird image off in the back of somewhere. Oh, yeah, there was, was that was picture. I remember. Yes. Of like uh, Drakkar's back. And uh, I mean, hey, here we are. A million years later, we beat Drakkar and, and, uh, and uh, well, Jormag too. Yeah, maybe just um, a fanboy at the end of the day. Yeah. But I remember at that time, it was like everything was just kind of getting a little uh, extreme. Mm-hmm. And then so many things were happening i had so many thoughts and there there wasn't a whole lot of payoff and i remember when like uh balthasar uh or lazarus turned into balthasar i was mm-hmm. like what what is what <laughs> yeah. and it's it, and i think it was from there it just kind of really spiraled out um uh-huh. where it, it felt like they were just doing things for the sake of doing it. And I, I felt that for the longest time. I'm obviously condensing this this down. Um, mm. But it, it didn't really stop me. I still have, like, um, I think my latest uh, Mind Spike script is from, like, sometime a couple months after Path of Fire came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this, uh, this wonderful theory about uh, the, uh, the Eye of Gen Theater. Which I still to this day I kind of believe it was like it. Was, I'm condensing this down because I don't actually remember all of my uh, my uh, thoughts at the time. Uh, but it was about the Eye of Janthir, uh being a minion of Kralkatoric. Oh, um, okay. yeah. It was, and it was all based off of the the trailers uh, where you kind of see these uh, this eye mm-hmm. uh, zoom out or zoom in to. I don't remember if it was the eye of Janthir zooming into Kralkatorik's eye or the other way around. There was mm. something like that. There was like a visual overlap. It's the Path of Fire trailer, made... right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think it was that. It was, uh, it was the one that like aired at the end of the season to like announce, oh, Heart of the uh, Path of Fire is coming. Yeah. Um, so like I based that whole thing around, around there. And I, I thought that was really cool. It never saw the light of day. Um, mm-hmm. Because at, at that time, I've, I kind of gotten a bit of burnout from like content creation and there there's a lot of things happening at that time as well um my bachelors uh and i was really getting sick and tired of uh, my bachelors at that time it was like it was just a lot of it was a lot of work and i just wanted to i just wanted to play video games and create content and every there's this duality all the time where i really just wanted to do content but i didn't really have the time for content because i had to all these other obligations Mm -hmm. and so i never really did any content i never really produced anything great uh, so I was const- constantly in this like battle with myself of like I'm not producing enough um, yeah. of the thing that I I love to to do. Yeah, um, you weren't going hard which, on one thing; you were going soft on two, kind of. Exactly, exactly, and it was kind of it was kind of just like yeah, uh, on both fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, how far were you into so, your like, at that point? How far was I in? I must have been on like this last year or something like that. Okay, okay. Um, final stretch. I believe. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I, I even that that whole burnout at that time, like because of this, like I wanted to do so many more fun things, um, but also I had this uh, obligation to my my studies. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole battle 
almost made me not finish my master's as well or even take my master's do my master's i think it's a lot because i, I think a, just, lot, a lot of gamers can relate to yeah and it wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily like the gaming aspect of it it was more just like i wanted to do something fun yeah i wanted to just like be happy do be on your do adventures cool stuff. Do, do the yeah exactly do the things that i actually really enjoyed in uh in life and and the studies wasn't necessarily the things that i enjoyed uh on a day-to-day basis okay sure i love it i i really appreciate having done it and finished it um but but at the end of the day it was like if i if i could go back and do it all over um would i do my bad would i do my master's again i am not entirely sure if i would oh interesting Um, okay yeah um okay so let's should we talk a little bit more about that i'm i'm curious to find out about why you chose psychology sure. for your bachelor's. Um, what, what, what is it about that experience that makes you look back on it and think maybe I wouldn't do it again? Um, so first, why, why psychology? Um, why psychology? Well, initially, my thought was like, I have always been very interested in the human psyche. Okay. Um, I've always been very interested in, in people in general and what drives and motivates people. And I really wanted to take that into, into well, the academic world. And mm-hmm. I thought that what I wanted to do was study psychology and potentially become a psychologist. Okay. Um, at, like at the, doing more at, research at the or, all, or that, clinical psychologist? Like what kind of psychology were you thinking about? At the beginning of it all, I, I, I thought it was going to be, I thought I wanted to uh do research. I thought okay. I wanted to do like a PhD and take it all the way and sure. uh, and actually just live the the academic world. Um, but it, as I as I got more and more into it, the thing is like I I guess I kind of realized the older I get and the more I got into everything in life and mm-hmm. whatnot, I just kind of realized that it wasn't necessarily making me happy uh, mm. to 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 live in this world in the academic world it's a very draining very uh rigid world of uh well studies and um writing papers and doing all these fantastic things that are uh, very interesting but also uh, at times very dull okay um and it it was kind of it wasn't it's not like the job that i did uh to actually go on the adventure that was sucking out the life of me but it it definitely was it ain't retail but it definitely was a a situation that was kind of uh it was it was depressing me yeah um because i didn't feel happy it wasn't giving Um, giving you the energy return to no exactly i was was pouring so much time and energy into it Mm -hmm. um that i was that I uh, that just didn't have any any positive return. Um, like I kept pushing pushing the bar. I kept pushing uh, my studies, uh, uh, succeeding in everything there. But it, none of it really. Uh, well, yeah, I, I didn't really see a point to it in mm-hmm. in many regards. Um, so it, yeah, I, I mean, if I am if I am going to be completely honest here, it definitely depressed me. Um, and I did mm-hmm. go through a whole a very long um depressive state where this is something i really haven't talked about at all um okay. where uh, over a long year or a year a year span how many years was it four actually in four general bachelors. that it's kind of no for a depression for my depression oh, okay okay yeah of just kind of building um uh, oh cat cam hey another kitty um, 
just kind of building this this depression of like being unhappy um and and just it kind of getting getting all the excitement and, and all that drained out of me mm-hmm. um and it took me about four or five years before i really realized uh what it was uh, okay. like depression so to speak yeah um it was hard it was it was hard but it was it was the most freeing thing to realize what it actually was because it helped me it helped me to move move on and actually focus on on the things that were that were very uh I very really, much more uh important to me i really relate to uh, that man how, how did you kind of turn the corner and decide this is depression and i and there are tools well, to it was, this? it was kind of a, a weird thing especially because a psychology student i mean how the <laughs> fuck you not realize right <laughs> It's like teacher, uh, teach thyself. Once, it's such a like depression is such a weird thing that you don't real you don't necessarily realize that you're in it. For me, I didn't realize I was in it because it it was something I'd never really experienced uh, okay. personally. I'd always been a really happy, very excited, very extroverted person, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden it was just slowly. Or I say all of a sudden, over a long period of time, it was slowly just kind of draining me of wanting to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to get out of bed at the at the end of the at the beginning of the day, um, all of those things just kind of like it piled up, and I don't remember what the what the actual uh, moment of realization uh, came from, but I remember very clearly it was like I think someone just kind of pointed out to me maybe this is depression, maybe you should actually, I mean, look into this, mm-hmm. and I was like. I think maybe that is exactly what I feel. Hmm. Um, and then from there on, I started exploring that and getting help and, uh, and kind of moving out of that. Um, and it took a long time. And that was like, yeah. the realization came right at the end of um, uh, my bachelor's actually, which was the biggest struggle when like thinking of, do I want to, do I want to move on to do my master's? Because can I really even use a bachelor's in psychology uh, for anything? The answer is no, not really. Um, So it was like, uh, yeah, of course I have to move on, but I'm going to have to push through this uh, so much harder because I can't really finish this, uh, this phase of my life and move on properly um, before I, I, well, gone, gone the full mile. Um, yeah you had some cost and you wanted to justify it Mm -hmm. okay but 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 the most important thing i think for uh, for me was that uh at the time of making the the decision to move on and do my master's uh, i also knew that i was i definitely uh was uh suffering from depression um and i could i could definitely work with that with that thought um, the most important thing for me was knowing what was actually happening for me uh-huh. because it made it, it made it more possible for me to navigate, um, mm-hmm. myself and my life and, and everything. And like slowly it just kind of, it just kind of, well, got better and better, but it wasn't actually, it wasn't until, um, 2019, uh, I believe in like November of 2019, I it it struck me like a lightning bolt um, mm. that I was I was now done. It was I I'm I was no longer in a depressive state, and my life is actually uh, amazing. And it felt oh. really weird because the thing was like, or the experience was, it, it felt like uh, taking a the bell off of my head. 
It okay. was like suddenly from like from like one moment to the other, I realized that I was present. Okay. Uh, in the world and the and the surroundings and the people around me. How um, did you and how, how did you achieve that? A lot of lot of work. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to go back. A lot of conversations with a lot of people and professionals. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I wanted to go back and ask um, first first relate to you because what you described about just knowing what it is, having a word for it. It's something I really relate to, too. So I figured out about a year ago that I have ADHD, which is not knowledge that I was armed with for the first 36 years of my life. And once I figured this out and started learning about what ADHD was, it gave me all these paths to actually gain some ground on parts of my personality that I've never, that I've always been frustrated with and felt like a slippery piece of soap I couldn't quite nail down. Um, mm. Uh, you know, I, uh, I definitely, yeah, that the analogy with the soap, I, uh, I definitely feel that. Yeah. Like I, I, in school, like, uh, up through at the end of high school, I was the golden child full of potential, you know, a highest achieving classes, top grades everywhere. And then all of a sudden it just like started going sideways for me and college was a disaster for me. And then I didn't know why, why couldn't I do what everyone else was doing? And then ADHD explained to me, gave me useful answers to all these questions and, handholds to be like okay i can do this i can do that and the last year has been transformative as a result um because i've had the the knowledge to actually go get the help where the help is where it could be um it sounds like maybe that's that's a that or a version of that is something like what you went through when you put the word to it, depression exactly it's okay. it, it was it was very relieving um mentally to, sure. to just know that I've now, I'll not, wow, I now have the soap. Yeah. <laughs> it's and like, you, yeah. You, you, you go from a state where it's like, no one can understand me. Like, there's something so wrong, mm -hmm. we don't understand. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm dealing with the same thing a lot of other people are dealing with, too. And that, that's also liberating, I think. It was for me. I, I think for me as well, it was like, uh, I, I was having a real hard time uh, empathizing with others. It oh, was okay. like, I was very, I was very much not present in, in mm -hmm. the moment, uh, in the, just like, my family, my friends, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't, I wasn't being attentive to to, to relationships. Uh, mm -hmm. All all of that stuff, like uh, all around me, and and I realized that uh, after the fact. Um, but all of like in many respects, uh, many of those years are kind of like a blur to me because yeah. I really wasn't there. Um, and and the moment that that it kind of struck me that all right, I am. I'm kind of over this was the moment when I felt like I was actually present in the moment for the first time in, in, in years. Uh -huh. And it was, I mean, it was insane. It was Did that honestly, feeling stick to stay around. It's, yeah, it's, it's the best feeling I've ever felt in my life. And uh -huh. it, 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 it genuinely, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It makes I, me really I, happy. I, I cherish it every day. That's amazing. I, cher I cherish it every day. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is, it is, it, it completely turned my life around or at least yeah. my mood and, uh, and my uh, my well focus in life mm -hmm. um, for the better. Um, so yeah, for for uh, for better or worse, uh, Guild Wars Two has been like my uh, my constant uh, friend all throughout this. Um, okay. It's really been a it's really been a, a strong support for me, both the, the community mm -hmm. and uh, and the game itself, and okay. having that having that uh, pillar to hold on to for the mm -hmm. longest time. Um, was very very important for me, uh, and I, I don't I don't disregard 
uh, all the positives that uh, that Guild Wars Two really brought to my life and mm-hmm. uh, throughout such a such a struggling or such a hard time. Um, I, I yeah. think that that sentiment is something a lot of people can relate to. Um, actually, I had a great talk with uh, Preston Collins Brazil, better as better better known to most folks, and he described his own experience of Guild Wars Two being positively transformative for him at the time, and then eventually becoming something that kind of was difficult. He eventually moved yeah. on from it. He came to his own arrangement with it. I know for a fact he still plays, but let, much like you, he's taken a step back and he's focused on other things and he's happier for it. Um, I think that uh, it's like uh, the necessary folly of like being in our 20s. And I've been there too, man, um, of like you you fall in love with with a potential of how things can be and how you can be. And um, it you don't know how to how much of yourself to give over to something and so you give all of yourself over to it because you're in your 20s you're trying to figure out your identity and i'm speaking about myself here when i say it this way like this is all me too and uh it's hard to get to the point where you you realize that the thing that you're invested in and whether it's a game or maybe whether it's a maybe it's academia i don't know it could be different things different people it's just like one day you're just like oh man this is like not who i am anymore and how do you deal with that? In the in the world of gaming, I feel like so much of the stuff you read, especially on Reddit, um, which tends to aggregate these very simple complaints, um, tends to be um, I, the, the sense that I have is that a lot of it is is frustration. That's people who um, feel that a game is not doing a good enough job of giving them meaning in their life, hmm. um, which is. Um, and what, what I've learned, what I've learned for myself, especially in the last year and change I've been doing the podcast, is that um, a game is no fit vessel for the meaning of a human life. Um, that that's said, a very beautiful way of putting it, yeah. Thank you. And that said, it, it can still be a meaningful um, support thing. Like for me, the reason I started the podcast is because I... Um, I wasn't enjoying my time spent gaming. I was still, you know, pouring time and effort into it. I was pinging from game to game, being like, oh, why isn't this game the perfect game for me? Why isn't this game the perfect game for me? And, and I'm like, okay, well, let's do something creative. And then the podcast idea came to me, and suddenly um, playing the games didn't become about doing it for my own enjoyment. It became about doing playing the games I needed to play, having the experience I needed to have in order to be able to have the, the podcast conversations. And it has this feedback cycle, kind of like what you described with doing content and how content inspired you to go and explore all these parts of the game, right? And that having that higher calling, the, the, the sense of something that I'm doing has a greater payoff, not just for me, but for others. Um, uh, there's, an, an Eastern, there's a word in, in, in uh, Eastern medicine called Dharma that describes that concept, I think. Um, and it's one that I'm really, um, I give a lot of thought to, the idea that you can, by pursuing something that is bigger than yourself, that is good for the world, you, by passing through that, the, uh, that ex- uh, the experience of doing that, you can improve yourself. And that on the other side of it, the idea of doing things for self-improvement, I think, tends not to work. And that's why, that's why education can be such a bum rap, I think. Because unless you're going through the, edu- the educational experience being like, it's really important to me to become a doctor because my parent died of cancer and I want to I want to fix that for the world. Like that's a real dharma. That's a real like cause. But if you're just like I'm smart 
and I'd like to be successful. Anyway, I just went off on a big old rant there. Please forgive me. I really liked that rant, so I'm not going to forgive you. Uh, sometimes sometimes the spirit I, rises I up within to, me. <laughs> I, I really, yeah. I, I've never really uh, thought much about the word Dharma. I've stumbled upon it here and there, but you just explained it in a, in a way that, that really captivated me, actually. Um, because I, I feel like that was definitely, I, and I can definitely put myself in this place uh, mm -hmm. uh, now, um, where a lot of my self-improvement has been focusing on uh, oddly enough, uh, not myself. Right. This, this whole thing. It was mm -hmm. like it, it become it became a lot more about uh, my relationships. Okay. In all its forms, it became much much more about the people around me that uh, that actually that, that meant a lot to me, but that I hadn't really realized meant that much to me, or, or okay. I hadn't really or hadn't really given given the proper proper time. Um, so it became it became much more of a yeah, a quest to to reestablish these relationships and build and uh, rebuild mm -hmm. uh, in many cases um, relationships and uh, being more present, doing doing things for for others and, and the world in general. Um, yeah. Instead of just focusing on on well, me. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's been really really freeing. Um, I remember this is like this is such a weird weird uh, thing, but I remember right. uh, one of the, one of the first first times that uh, I went and uh, and uh, like donated all of my old clothes, and I remember that freeing feeling. I was like, I did something good for the world, and it uh. was like this was like super early on. I was like uh, of like trying to to do good by anything, mm -hmm. and it was just it, it felt good, and it, it led me down this path of like. I want to, I want to just, I want to make a difference somehow, um, for, for others that, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it turns out, heavy. it turns out we're, we're like social, we're social creatures. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it turns enough, out, who would have thought even, even if we're stuck in our little, uh, man caves. Right. I mean, well, I think that yeah. there's a combination of like this, this, this generational expectation that especially came from like, I don't know, like where around where I grew up here in the US, like um, I have baby boomer parents, God bless them. And um, like this idea that the way life works is you're a child who lives with your family and then you're an adult who creates your family and lives with the family you create. Like there's no transition. It's just like, it's just like grow up, go to college, dot, 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 success. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think we're seeing all, every in so many ways how how insufficient that model is, and you combine that with the power of technology we have, um, and the power we have to uh, like um, I don't know. It's a big idea and probably one that's a little too big for the size of this thought. But um, I've given a lot of thought to not just the pursuit of meaning as something that is. That reflects back on me but the pursuit of meaning that is me reflecting on the world around me too and if i didn't have this bigger goal of like kind of being ticked off about the way that game communities work and talk to each other especially like the way that the people who play games talk to to and about people who make games it's, it's, it's something i find very frustrating to watch and behold and i have this idea that um that deep patient one-on-one -on -one conversations are the best way to unlock um 
useful ways of thinking about difficult ideas. And, um, but anyway, to pull things out it, of the navel, go ahead, give a chance to it, respond to that. It creates, uh, I mean, dialogue creates perspective and empathy on, uh, on, I mean, other people's yeah. thoughts and, and experiences. And I feel like for uh, a lot of the things that, uh, that I feel happen when, whenever I see a lot of uh, gaming communities just kind of rally and rage or, or, or do, do their, their thing. And, and mm -hmm. well, um, is that I, I feel like there is, there's so little empathy for, for the actual creators of, of a game because much of the process is so obscured yes. um, and, and unknown. Um, yes. uh, there's, there's, Obviously, there's always going to be a lot of people who believe that they know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, and they have found the holy grail of knowledge, and the knowledge is that the devs don't care, or whatever, insert whatever or the devs are dumb. weird thing. Yeah. Or the de devs are dumb, or incompetent. Uh, they, just, they just, yeah, incompetent is a good, another good one, or they just want to destroy it. Just, I mean, I've, I've, been a, I've been a participator of this, this particular one. Uh, hmm. The devs just want to move on from Guild Wars Two, hmm. um, and and I mean, that's sure, a that's a really that's a really fun thing to just to say out loud. But in in reality, uh, once you understand how uh, just a, a company works and how all the structures of like getting three hundred, four hundred people to to coordinate to do anything, yeah. Uh, then you'll have a just a bit more of a broader perspective and understanding of how hard it actually is to make anything. I mean, let alone a game, a video game. Yeah, which is such a collaborative effort. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so I don't know how it is for you, but like, whenever I get really enchanted with a piece of art, whether it's like a TV show or a movie or even just a physical piece of art, sculpture, or of course a video game, like I always want to know how it came to be. Like what, what, what's, I saw magic. How was the magic made? I want to understand it. I want to think about it. I want to understand how to see it in other things and how to reproduce it in my own life. Like how can I bottle that magic and use it too? And I know that there are, the sense I get is that there's a lot of people out there who aren't that way, um, who just want the finished product. They want to, they want the thing to be no, no deeper than what's presented. They don't want to dig, um, I don't understand that very well because um, I, I don't really relate to it. And because um, I guess like the one of the common retorts to like the idea of what you just suggested, I probably just said this in the reverse order, hazard of being alive. Uh, I think one of the common retorts to what you just suggested is you shouldn't have to know how a game, how a game company works to appreciate the game, right? You shouldn't yeah. have to know, know who the artist is to appreciate the art. You shouldn't know, have to know the story of this actor to appreciate this performance um but we do live in a very uh hyper hyper focused uh society uh of everyone wanting to know all the all the personal things about the the people involved with it which is why the, mm -hmm. the story of an actor is such an interesting thing because we can relate more to the actor than the mm -hmm. the fiction that's portrayed on the screen well we're uh, all in the same yeah. And the same goes yeah. for, for devs. They're, they're these idolized uh, beings, uh, gods that create worlds. Uh, but why can't you fix the spaghetti code right now? I mean, if you can right. do all these fantastic things, why can't you just do what I want you to do? Um, yeah. 
And if you tr if they truly are gods, then surely it must be neglect or intention. And that's that's know, enraging. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leave, uh, leaving the devil to to mind his own business is must. God cannot be all all good, right? Yeah. So I talked to Josh Foreman last week, um, famous uh, originator of Guild Wars Two jumping puzzles and the the mad mind behind Super Adventure Box. And I think of, of all the devs who I've had on, he's the one who I I had seen the most, like had the most exposure to before talking to them. And it's tough mm -hmm. to talk to someone who you kind of idolize in that way. I think, like, um, I knew I, about yeah, him they, and was impressed yeah. by him a long time before I had the thought to ask him to come talk to me. Um, but it was really cool hearing him talk about his time at ArenaNet as like um, he has this crazy story about how he arrived to ArenaNet, where his family situation was just off the wall and crazy. And for him, arriving to ArenaNet ushered in a point of stability in his life that he needed. And he sees it as a point as he and he looked looking back on it, he reflected that, yeah, like people who he started with are much further along in their careers than he was than he is now because he stayed. And um, I don't know, like there's so much to go on there. The idea that everything you see was made by a human being is, is an idea that sometimes overwhelms me. The Internet that I enjoy, the power that arrives to me, the building that I'm sitting in, the chair I'm sitting in, the screen that I'm looking through. I mean, I know there's automation, but these automations were designed by people. Um, I, I find that I, I have this sense of, is it is the word sonder? It's like this word of like a sudden sense of connection to the world. Yes. Um, the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. Oh. Well, have you pre-ordered it? I, I, I'm not familiar with it. I forget what the, the oh, damn, I forget what his name is. Um, but a fantastic YouTuber who coined the word sonder. Huh. Um, and who, who's been writing a book for the last four years. I pre-ordered it like a year ago now when it actually came on. And it's, it's coming out this year. Yeah. The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows is, uh, is a fantastic work of art uh, that I recommend anyone watching this going, going to just binge on YouTube right now. I am going to have to check this out too because I didn't even know <laughs> about this. This word arrived to me by indirect means. That's I mean, fantastic. it's a very popular, it became very popularized. I believe there is, uh, there's a few of his words that just kind of, it went viral, so to speak. Mm, yeah. 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 But, what? So I, I know exactly what you mean by Sonder. Yeah. And um, I guess maybe part of what I'm trying to do with these conversations is, is evoke that sense. Um, evoke a sense of wonder in the mundane. Like this thing that you experienced was designed by a person. Um, was 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 made by an artist was programmed by a an engine designer um i sorry engine programmer and i i i when um so the the summer games thing that um jeff Keeley, um you know popular uh games evangelist and presenter at the uh, the game awards um happened i think it was yesterday or the day before and I was watching it and watching all these people who I know um, get really excited about all these games that are being announced and teased. And I found myself being so much more interested watching the developers who are coming on to talk about their games than the games themselves. Um, and the thing that I tweeted out when I, when I, when I had that, when I had that sent, sentiment was don't get hyped for games, get hyped for people. Um, and I think maybe that's all kind of just a reflection back on, on, the all this stuff that we're talking about now but um i think it's impossible 
I think it's impossible, no matter how many hours you've put into a game like Guild Wars 2, or how bad you felt about it, to sit through the conversations that I've had with people who have made these things and still feel rage about, about things not going and not, not paying off. Um, it's this complicated problem of like understanding there's a problem, agreeing there's a problem, but not, but not, but feeling sympathy for the problem almost rather than feeling um, anger. Um, I definitely can, uh, can, yeah, get in the, get in that mindset. Um, I've definitely felt the anger early on, earlier on. Mm -hmm. I felt the frustration. I felt all of those feelings when it come, came to Guild Wars 2. I felt, uh, I felt like a god had left the building, so to speak, if we're using that same Six analogy. Six gods. Of gods are they? They fled. Yeah. Um, there, there's definitely been times where it's like I felt very, uh, uh, like the community was just kind of getting thrown to the wayside. Um, but in reality, it's, it, it, it's not like that. Uh, and, I, and I know that. I know that now, especially. Mm -hmm. um, and it gave me, uh, like, meeting, apropos, like, you talking with uh, Josh Foreman and whatnot, I've also had my fair share of meeting with with some of the devs in, uh -huh. during my time in, in Seattle. And uh, that's something I, I've never really uh, publicly talking much about because, well, it was, was like? private conversations and, uh, and, yeah. and whatnot. It was, uh, well, it, it was everything from uh, absolutely amazing to super awkward, um, depending on, <laughs> on who I actually met. Oh, um, no. Yeah. Because I, I remember, like, um, there, there, was, there, there were a lot of issues. The thing was, like, this was when I went to Seattle um, here in, what was that, in 2019. Uh, uh, till, uh, yeah, 2019. It was right after the layoffs. Oh, right. It was like basically immediately after the layoffs. Right. Um, and everything was just kind of, yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, I think I'm getting this, I'm getting a little bit confused because the layoffs happened during the time I was actually over there. So like it was, it was, it was like six months after the, or a year after the Jessica Bryce stuff. Uh -huh. And then right as I arrived in Seattle, I got to meet a, a couple of devs and then the layoffs kind of happened and everything was just kind of tossed into the air. Wow, that's crazy. So there's yeah. a lot of like craziness happening at the same time and people really yeah. didn't know um, what was going on. And uh, I was I was chatting with some of the some of the devs and uh, yeah, obviously the, the, the mood was the mood was tense ahead of time because of the whole Jessica stuff. Um, but then after still, even after, after all that time, layoffs, was, okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was very hard for me to, to even be able to get in contact with, with, with some of them. Um, that's tough. I always felt, I always felt like there was a, there was something, uh, hmm. in the back holding me back. Obviously I don't, I don't know, but it, it very much felt like there was a, there was a bit of a, uh gatekeeping uh situation kind of going on interesting um, because interesting. of the whole thing and I, I and i fully empathize with that fully empathize with that uh, i understand that uh i was part of a whole controversy or whatever yeah um, that was going on and, and we can talk about that uh in, in a bit and we shall so i understand so i understand why a lot of the devs would be uh, apprehensive about even even associating with me or like mm -hmm. having arena net associate with me even more like letting me into the building and stuff like that. So 
and no ill will from my side here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, but I did. You were feel, aware of how feel... how awkward it was and how there could be some I bad was... feelings still. Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. I was definitely aware of of, uh, of there being some uh, un- unspoken thoughts and uh, sure. potential, yeah, tough tough situations here and there. Um, of course, of course. But I had a, I had a fantastic time in Seattle and and meeting uh, meeting the devs. But definitely, it gave me it gave me also a lot of perspective of just like sitting down, having a chat with with people that are just mm-hmm. regular regular people, regular mm-hmm. individuals that are interested in doing their their job really well and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was a fan of their job, so it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an, it's a bit of an, I don't know, weird, it, it's a weird experience always. See, yeah, I, I have I my feel. notes here that you, your trip to Seattle, your move to Seattle, really, was in January of that yeah. year, twenty nineteen, and the layoffs yes. were out like like six weeks later or something like that. So yes, that right in the middle. Exactly, because I, I, it just. One of the one of the guys that uh, I really had a, a, a really good relationship with, uh, mm-hmm. even prior to going there and meeting up, uh, was also one of the guys that was uh, uh, voluntarily laid off, so to speak. Um, okay. One okay. of the guys that, that kind of chose to yeah, peace put his out. hand up and said, I'll, "I'll take the L." Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and that was a really rough time, uh, mm. both for for him mostly, obviously, but also uh, for me personally because I really wanted to. Uh, chat and meet him, meet him and talk more um, with everyone there, um, and uh, mm-hmm. and obviously that was that was really rough. That was really hard. Um, so did was the sense that you got from talking to him and people who were going through something similar that that like so like I mean I've been through layoffs too, man. Um, survived and been a victim of. Um, I work in tech, so these things happen all the time. And the feelings you get as a result of these things are kind of crazy. Um, one of the weirdest things about being in a layoff is when you survive it, because layoffs usually are the result of a systematic course correction of some kind. And a lot of times the layoff happens weeks or months in advance of the new course being actually so being actually going, going down. So if you survive a layoff, you can be working for the company. You can still be showing up to work for weeks or months and not really know what you're supposed to be doing. And um, that is, that's a pretty terrible feeling. Um, and of course, the obvious uh, bad vibes of um, being a victim of a layoff is having your whole life thrown upside down. Um, you know, uh, when we all have mortgages and children who rely on us being, having stable employment, um, the world of game development can be a rough place to be, and that's no—that's not me apologizing for ArenaNet or for the layoff that happened. But it's just a—it's a phenomenon that we have to acknowledge. Um, yeah. But anyway, so it, it sounds a, like a lot of people you talked to were, de- were dealing with that stuff. Some yeah. version of it. Yeah. Exactly. It was just—it was generally just a, a weird mood at the time. Obviously, for yeah. uh, for very obvious reasons. Did that experience um, of sitting down and, and meeting with those folks change the way you saw the game or your participation in it? I mean, uh, not really, uh, in the in the sense that uh, it was more it, it more it changed my view on some of the some of the devs. It just made the, them more uh, hu- human like, I guess I'll call it. Okay. Uh, to me, uh, more, more approachable. Relatable. I guess. It, mm. Yeah, is the way. Relatable is the word I'll I'll definitely uh, take here, um, but it didn't really change my my view on the game. I don't I don't think I actually had the the really a lot of the 
I, I don't think I really comprehended my thoughts about the game before the, uh, like when I was meeting with the devs before mm-hmm. the layoffs then happened. And then my entire view of the game changed um, okay. from there on out. Because that way? was a complete 180. Um, I, when the layoffs happened, um, obviously there was a lot of, there was a lot of rumors going around and uh, a lot of the information was confirmed much, much later. Um, but mm-hmm. at the time, uh, it was very obvious uh, uh, to me um, from, from information that I, I was, uh, that I was given that uh, the situation was such that uh, they were working on other things mm-hmm. and they had been for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that was more or less the reason why everything was, had gone as it, as it did. And we know the situation now is that they were working on like four different titles. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't, I, I didn't know all the specifics of, of what was actually happening, but I knew, I, I knew that, uh, yeah, uh, they had focused a lot of their energy on something entirely different. And I was not happy about that. At mm. all. I was very, very frustrated. Yeah. I totally want to talk about this. Can we do a five minute yes. break first? Let's do that because this is a big topic and we're already so. like an hour and a half in. Yep. Let's we're going to take that. five folks, get some coffee, get a snack, and we'll be right back. And we're back. I'm Deeg talking to Mr. DeRoyer here all about Guild Wars 2 and life. We were just talking through um, some of the difficult changes and circumstances that happened in early 2019 at ArenaNet, the developer behind Guild Wars 2. Um, Doroyer actually had made that made a trip to go to move to Seattle a month ahead of the layoffs that happened that affected about a third of the company and um, changed the vibe, not just at ArenaNet, but I think for a lot of its fans. And you were starting to talk to her about how your perspective on engaging with the game changed as a result. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it was a, it was, it was a very crushing experience. Okay. And I know that obviously, um, much of most of the attention and for good reasons obviously was on on the developers and how they were doing of course all all that was uh i mean everyone understood that uh, they were going through a really really rough mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. but i think a lot of a lot of the community myself very much included were also going through a very very hard time during that mm-hmm. whole thing because it was like a it, it was the illusion was kind of breaking at that point uh, very publicly breaking um yeah. It's like this, uh, this fantastic illusion of uh, everything is going to be all right and the game will survive for for forever. And the de- the dev- the well, the devs are there to uh, support this uh, life experience that we're all sharing together yeah. for years to come, and we we will we will uh, we will be able to to live this world forever yeah. and ever. And, that, and also, that is- arena equals guild wars. That was another part of it too, right? Yeah. Um, and that just kind of broke away, and it was it was a slow process because obviously, I mean, it it, it took months for most people to to get any information um, at all about what really happened about uh, mm-hmm. for the layoffs uh, or around the layoffs. But for me, I was uh, I was a bit privy to uh, to, to some some insights early on, mm-hmm. um, which made me very much aware that there was there had been stuff in the background. They had mm-hmm. been like working on a lot of other projects and right. um, obviously it was something I, I couldn't say. So for me, it was, it was, it was very crushing to know that, that this reality uh, that I so enjoyed could have ended so soon. Um, okay. Okay. With, 
with arena focusing on something else um and i think obviously for like i mean for better or worse i definitely put too much emotional energy into into the game uh mm-hmm. at that point uh, to the point where i was emotionally invested uh yeah it's so that when something like this happened it, it really did feel feel very emotionally yeah. crushing um, i think if you, you put that hard. much time in it becomes part of your identity and i, yeah. I think that really, attachment to games really is part did. of the identity forming process a lot of people go through yeah Sorry, go and i i i think a lot of people did that did go through that same experience probably uh in a lot longer uh, time span um, than I did, mm-hmm. given that much of the information was coming out very, uh, very slowly uh, afterwards. Um, but yeah, for me, it was like it was this great realization that uh, the game is—it's uh, ephemeral. It's—it's it's something. It's fleeting. It'll—it'll it'll disappear at some point. And yeah, it, it just—it—it it isn't meant to last forever. And—and uh-huh. um, and I know that I know that that was always the reality. But I just, I didn't really, I didn't see that as a reality until then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of living this happy, happy adventure, uh, pseudo adventure. Uh, right. right. With, ev- with everyone else partaking in this. And, mm-hmm. and suddenly that was, it, there was, there was a chance that it could have been ripped from me. Anyways, it changed, it changed my mind uh, about uh, the game. And obviously it came, it, uh, for, I mean, for what it's worth, it came at a really good time for for me. How so? Um, it weirdly enough, because it was at the same time where I was kind of getting to the final stages of dealing with my depression mm. and like moving on from some of the sure. really really hard hard times in my life. So it was like it was like this last hit that just needed it. It was it was like a push over the edge. Mm-hmm. Here, fly, do something else, and I. Re- yeah, I, I want to say like I really needed it uh, in some regards. Uh, it really helped sure. me to move on much quicker than I otherwise would have, um, and it kind of gave me this. It, it kind of gave me this uh, the sense of wanting to find something else, okay. uh, which was the most important thing for me. Yeah, um, and 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 by something else, it, uh, I I never meant to. My intention has never been to leave Guild Wars Two. Mm-hmm. Never. I've I've never really been interested in, in in that aspect, but but definitely, I I realized that I wanted to focus on other things because obviously, uh, the game and the the, the game studio mm-hmm. wasn't going to last forever, and that was all right. Coming to terms with that, that was all right. It was it was fine. It it yeah. will be fine. Yeah, and it it it, it really helped me to like push past that and it kind of came very explosively for everyone not mm-hmm. not my exit obviously but like the whole uh thing happening and every everyone's emotions all over the place like what's going to happen mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. and then quietly in the background i was just kind of fading away slowly slowly fading out of the scene yeah um and just i just stopped i just i mean without really saying anything or announcing anything i just kind of stopped Sure. Because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter to me um, mm-hmm. anymore. It felt like that. I, I'm making it seem like it's so much more than it really was, but it. it I does, don't think I so. Mean, I, I feel like those. Were, were, I feel like those were, are the words that uh, are most appropriate. Um, you were letting go of a part it, of yourself, and that's not something that that happens on a dime. Like people, yeah, the for game, good reason. The game really meant a lot. It did. Absolutely. I think a ton of people went through something very similar to what you're describing, 
um, and, and maybe perhaps a less public way where, um, you know, it's like you, you realize that the illusion isn't real, that it was is an illusion and that your heroes are just people. And um, the times that you love um, were great, but there's no guarantee of times ahead. Um, yeah. It's a real... It it's a real growing up moment for people, um, an opportunity. It was for actually, funnily enough, like I already felt like an adult, like I am old and I'm an adult. Hey, uh -huh. look at me, big boy. But, but in reality, uh -huh. it really like, it pushed me to, to, to view the world in a very different light and my life in a very different light. Okay. Um, that, that, and like all the other things that were like happening at the same time, but it was mm -hmm. like, it was like that last push to like, all right, let's, let's focus fully on something else. And then, okay. From there on, from there on, Guild Wars Two really became like a back burner thing. Just a hobby. Um, I still, I still, it's a hobby, and I feel like it, it. Yeah, it's. I have a very, very healthy relationship with Guild Wars Two now. Mm -hmm. um, I play it. I play it still every day. Literally every day, I log in, do my dailies, or run around for a second or, uh -huh. or two. Um, I'm, I'm still up to date with all the, all the living story achievements that are coming out right now. All the all the old seasons and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still sticking with everything, um, uh -huh. but I'm just not invested. Yeah. I'm not emotionally invested in that regard. Um, whenever, whenever something bad or good happens, it's like, all right, that happened. Um, Primordius and Jormac died. All right. That happened. Right. And I mean, take, take that for example, that, yeah, that, it's a good uh, example. Fantastic example. Um, like five years ago, that moment would have been completely crushing for me. Mm -hmm. Like seeing the two elder dragons just um, kind of poof out of nowhere into bubbles and uh, and they're gone. Yeah, uh, it would have completely crushed me because like how dare they uh, ruin this moment for me? Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when I sat there and it happened, I was like, "All right, I kind of saw the train coming." Um, yeah, yeah, all, all the clues were there. Yeah, and it was it was all right. It was it was what it was. Um, nowadays, I don't I don't really play the game for for the story. I'm I'm very much not invested in the in the story anymore. Um, also, because of all the other things that we were talking talking about earlier on, where it yeah. got very much streamlined and mm -hmm. well, or, yeah, borderline. I was about to say boring, but uh, obviously it's not boring. It's just it's not my cup of tea. It feels like it's become and a lot more, a lot more smooth around the yeah, edges, I mean, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which I think is really great for a lot of people and disappointing for people who are very passionate to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, in, in, in short, after that, after the layoffs and after like stepping back, I, I, my whole Guild Wars 2 period or gaming period from there on out, um, I don't really have much to say for it. Honestly, okay. Um, because it it really felt like it was that was that was the the end of my emotional investment, and thus from here on out, it's it's going to be a hobby that I'm still very interested in, and mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. super excited for the new expansion that's coming. All of the all yeah. of that that jazz, yeah. Uh, and I'm super excited for all the other updates that are coming. I'm super excited for the game in general, mm -hmm. but I'm not emotionally invested, and it it just changed my perspective on. Mm -hmm on how I play the game and, and, and what yeah. I do, uh, what, I, what I spend my time on. Yeah, you, Does it matter if I, am, if I log in at 
the exact time that the the update hits on any given uh, Tuesday. Uh, uh-huh. No, it, it it really doesn't. Um, but previously, that would have been a no brainer. I was always there at the at the very moment that stuff was happening all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm much more laissez faire, if you can say, uh, about well my game time. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's no longer. Uh, such an integral part of your personality it sounds like you've created some distance exactly. healthy distance perhaps um it feels and... very healthy uh it, it feels like a very healthy hobby that i have now and i very much enjoy it mm-hmm. um i really i really like the game it's a good game for what it is uh i don't mm-hmm. try to i don't try to theorize and hope and cross my fingers for all the cool things that i i once was advocating strongly for uh Right. Nowadays, I'm just happy when when something cool comes out. Uh, right, and 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 I feel like that's that's the that's the right way for me to do it properly yeah. without really, I mean, taking any hits. Yeah, um, I really relate to that too. I, I had my moment with Guild Wars too that felt like that to me. I think for me it was the Icebridge Saga announcement was for me yeah. when I was like, oh, okay, it's okay for me to let this go. Um, yeah, it just wasn't, and that's all right. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's this whole stigma about because one of the things that's really annoyed me, okay. but at the same time, I'm I'm not too emotionally invested in the in the whole community and the scene anymore. I'm very mm-hmm. distanced from it. But one thing that has kind of annoyed me here and there is okay. uh, a lot of the people that are shouting and screaming at me for did you not or didn't Derrera quit like two years ago? Why does he have anything to say? Oh, How dare he, he is. He is like so far out of this game. He he, how dare he comment on on this game or say anything anymore? And then there's like the opposite end of that because there's a polarity to to all communities or mm. polarity. Wow, a mm. bipolarity to to every community. There's the other other episode uh, or other end of the spectrum that is like, oh yeah, Deroyer says he's quit, but he's so extremely hardcore about it in the background. They like quit. people can't really they can't really find that middle ground which is yeah, actually well the there's no easy like, narrative i'm just not really because it yeah, turns exactly. out you're a human being there's a lot of people that want to make me out to be a, the villain of this situation there's a lot of people that uh-huh. want to discredit uh-huh. anything that i have to say about the game because i i quit i uh, i'm done right. with the game ah, yeah. the, the, all these these grand sayings but the reality is i'm just emotionally detached from it um yeah and i'm, I'm just I, I just see it for for what it is, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Or at least what I feel like it is. You know, I saw uh, something on Twitter today. Um, Asmongold, who most people know, um, number one World of Warcraft streamer, uh, longtime neckbeard, is uh, he, apparently he's taking a break from World of Warcraft and playing Final Fantasy fourteen today. And uh, he made a tweet about saying like, I'm just like playing a game, guys. Just chill out. It's okay for me to play a different game. Um, almost like he was responding to something similar to what you're describing. Where it's like, what? You're Asmongold. Yeah. You're World of Warcraft. You're not allowed to betray World of Warcraft. What does this mean? It was it was the exact same story with Teapot as well when he started playing uh, World of Warcraft. Uh, right. The, the original, whatever it's called. Um, Why do you think people react that way? Well, I think... And obviously, I'm just a guy with a with an opinion. Aren't we I all? think it's because a lot of people try to try to defend their own point of view. Um, mm. We live in a very highly politicized environment where 
being wrong, admitting faults, and uh, actually coming to terms with some of your wrongdoings uh, is seen as weakness. And so any, mm-hmm. any changes in behavior is seen as, uh, uh, well, uh, a move to be either vilified or uh, uh, made fun of. Um, sure, and so, sure. And so for, for a lot of the people that are uh, strong believers of Guild Wars 2 is the best game and it's, this is my game and it's the only right thing. And it's a big part uh, of their identity. Exactly. Whenever they meet resistance or whenever, whenever that, that thought is, is met yeah. with resistance or, or any, any counter evidence, potential counter evidence, say your favorite streamer no longer endorses uh, your favorite game. Mm-hmm. Um, you meet you meet that streamer with hostility just to try to defend your own your own opinion your own worldview mm-hmm. and i i find it to be a, a purely purely a self defense uh reaction from most people yeah which is why i really just disregard it because mm-hmm. i can very much empathize with those people um i I, I don't want to see that I say that I've been there because I definitely have not. I, I, I've never really reacted in that sense of like lashing out against counter evidence or streamers changing games or whatever. Mm. Um, I always just see them as humans doing what makes them happy sure. um, in the moment. And maybe that game just isn't making them happy for multitude of different reasons or right. whatever. Um, yeah. And but I definitely empathize with the people that are lashing out because obviously they want Guild Wars 2 to succeed or World of Warcraft to succeed and yeah. be seen and, um, and all these fantastic things. Yeah. Um, but, and, and if yeah. a streamer is acting in a way that suggests that it's not succeeding, that it's not the right course, then people who make Guild Wars 2 part of their identity and who take it personally are going to be upset naturally. Yeah. Like, it totally adds up. Um, and how do you deal with that? Um, I mean, the alternate course is, I think, to do exactly what you're describing. Create some distance. Just engage with the game on your terms rather than on its terms. This is something that I'm a big, big proponent of. Um, something I actually struggle with a little bit. Um, but something that I how really so? think is necessary. Um, well, okay. So there are a few dimensions of why I struggle with finding the right amount of distance. Um, like I mentioned, I started the podcast, uh, I mentioned this earlier, I started the podcast because I was not happy with how, I wasn't feeling satisfied with investing myself in these games just as they were. I felt like no game was the right combination of what I wanted. And, and more importantly, I felt that the communities that resulted from these games were really letting me down. They were very shallow People didn't really want to engage. It was, there were mostly validation echo chambers for people. People want to talk about games instead of real stuff. Like it, The way we're talking, the stuff that we're dealing with, is the kind of stuff that interests me that I want to talk to people about. But most people who play games are just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? I just want to beat this boss. Leave me alone. And I, I can't relate to that. And that, that ideal of just it, it just, it's about the game frustrates me and lets me down. So eventually, I was like, I just got to try something made the podcast and two things happened um over time as a result of the podcast number one doing the podcast changed the way i looked at the games i was playing because like i like you um my play time became about what i needed to play and experience in order to be make the content um 
For example, I'm interviewing uh, Cameron Rich, designer intervening it next week. He made the Sunqua Peak Fractal. I have not yet played it. So in this next week, part of my research preparation is to get someone to carry me <laughs> through this Sunqua Peak Fractal and learn it. Oh, I'm going to learn it myself, of course. Um, but that's like an example. And that, that's not, and, but having that, that motivation will make that experience a lot more fun than if I was just playing it for personal gratification or for some kind of carrot into the stick that the game stands up for me, like a daily fractal reward. Um, but the problem with this way of engaging with games is that I don't ever get to go as deep as I'd like. Um, also because the stuff that interests me, I have an incentive not just to go very, I have, I have um, opposing incentives. One incentive is go deep on everything. So you understand what you're talking about and you can engage meaningfully. That's the one incentive. Other incentive is go wide because it's very useful to have a broad perspective and not just understand everything goes on in the Guild Wars 2 community, but everything goes on in the MMO community and everything that goes on with gamers. And then the way that the world works and the way that people self-actualize, all these are very useful perspectives. You hear me bringing things like Dharma and talk about Chekhov's gun. You don't learn that by going to the Guild Wars 2 subreddit. That's not where that happens. So yes, that's where the struggle is for me is, um, and even before I uh, had this kind of string of talking to Guild Wars 2 developers and creators, people who've been involved in the world, um, earlier this year, I was very focused on another game called Planet Side 2, which is uh, a, a much smaller community, um, but a game that I've loved for years and years and years that's had its own difficulties. But um, again, um, I went to a certain point and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to do something else. But I feel some regret that I'm not logging in to play that game every single day and talking to the same people every day. I'd like to do that, but there's just not time. And uh, I guess that's the answer to the question of why, why I struggle with the distance thing. Um, I always feel like I'm an outsider everywhere I go. Okay. Damn, that sounds really hard, actually. Yeah. You know, it is. It's a topic I've been meaning to sit down and write about and maybe do a video essay on. Um, and I don't think it just comes from gaming. I think there's something more deep about my personality that causes that. This certain baseline dissatisfaction with the status quo, almost like an oppositional disorder of, of some kind, which I know is a word you'll understand. Yeah. Um, um, so... Um, I think you should definitely try yeah. to vis visit those thoughts and write it write it down because i feel like that's a very uh it's a very interesting topic for for self uh self-reflection yeah. why does why do you feel like that what do you think is actually causing this because it's a it's a very it sounds like a very heavy heavy feeling to to always feel like the outsider um, yeah well it's it's yeah. weird because like i'm getting the the rare chance that most people are not going to have to sit down and talk to you in a deep way hours this is amazing but the way that my life works and my content works likelihood that you and i are going to sit down and do this again in the near future is not very high and again we're acquainted unfortunately i'm going to call you my friend i feel i feel like you're my friend i feel like we have a very friendly relationship here i mean yeah i, I mean we've we've gone we've gone deep man yeah but i've went but the just the logistics of of my life makes it so that i can't actually pay off on those deep understandings and deep connections in the way I'd like to. And that's maybe where the sense of outsidership comes from. Like, I don't have, I, def a 
a core group of gaming bros the way some people do. I can definitely relate to this in in in, in a very similar way, uh, but also very different. Um, mm-hmm. I I used to have a very a very close knit group of uh, of gaming friends, um, mm-hmm. and I've had it. It's kind of common past, um, but uh, one of one of the earliest uh, let's call it casualties of okay. of my depression uh, and my relationships was mm-hmm. uh, actually one of my early uh, guilds mm-hmm. um, uh, in Guild Wars. Uh, King, if uh, if you know that, uh, a lot yep. of a lot of the the listeners will will definitely remember uh, remember King as being something that was well, it was a, it was a very let's let's call it it was a it was a hardcore guild mm-hmm. with a lot of fantastic individuals in it, and for one reason or another, uh, I don't actually remember the specifics to this day. I just remember that I was very sad to see it all implode. Mm. Um, it was differences of opinions and a very high emotions uh, battling constantly, and it kind of uh, exploded and, and went in all sorts of directions. And I kept telling myself that, uh, that yeah, sure, I'll, uh, I'll reach out at one point or nothing's going to change, but uh, every, everything changed uh, when when the Fire Nation attacked, right? Um, <laughs> when 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 that whole when that whole thing happened, when it fell uh, apart, lots of lots of drama, uh, lots of just inside uh, like squabbles, and uh, and the, my only real takeaway from that is uh, I feel like I lost a lot of good friends, uh, mm. or yeah, um, that that never really. Uh, I mean, I never really rekindled a lot of those uh, connections. Some of them I did. Some of them okay. kind of. It just came and went. Uh, it came and went, um, and I'm really regretful about that. Uh, but but yeah, that was one of my very early uh, casualties of of, uh, of personal relationships uh, kind of falling apart of that that part of my life. It was really hard. It was really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've really felt like in Guild Wars too, at least in the community, I've very much felt like an outsider since then because I really. I really didn't feel at home anywhere else in any other guild. Uh, sure. I tried here and there, and and then uh, yeah, I kind of just like tagged along uh, a lot of different groups. And obviously, I have other gaming friends here and there, and I've had other groups over the years now. But mm-hmm. um, but it was it, it was always different from there on out because I, I guess I just became very hyper aware of of uh, well, I, I, let's call it the politics that that go on in. Uh, even in, in gaming and uh, yeah. and the game and just like guild relations and whatnot, the decisions that are being made. Yeah, so I'm I'm very uh, to this day I'm very regretful about that because I felt like I had a very huge hand in that. Um, okay. For and just because I was I don't know an actor in it. Obviously, I wasn't the I wasn't the the driving force for everything splitting apart, but but I was definitely a part of it. Uh, yeah. So. I hear you. So, uh, regret of of having things go the way they did, and whatever part you may have played in it, small part though it may yeah. be. And Very um, much so. looking back on what what was lost, I I really hear you, man. Um, and I actually I resonate with that too. Like the the closest thing I have ever had in gaming to a group of people like that was actually back in toward the end of my high school years and college years. Um, 
you know, about 20 years ago when I, uh, I was getting obsessed with a Half-Life 1 mod called Team Fortress Classic and getting involved in the clan scene for that game and then competition. And I, I made a team and I ended up running it uh, for three years. We paid, played like 250 organized, community organized league matches. Um, and I met people from the community and, uh, you know, some of those people are people who I still see in game with, you know, some days. Um, but the sense of everyone being in like a similar place in their life everyone coming together and like just hanging out every day and like the sense of like having a place to belong. Um, eventually, eventually the reason that stopped wasn't because there was some explosive incident. It was just because the, the experience just died. The, the, the competitive scene got smaller over time and people who were um, foundational in that, in that, that clan um, eventually retired over time and it took a totally different shape. And for me, I lost Whatever I was getting out of it, it went away. Um, I became an outsider in my own clan almost over time because the people who were like my guys got replaced by people who um, were good people, but um, it was just different. And maybe, maybe the truth was that I was the one who was different. Maybe I had changed. But anyway, for a long time, for like 15, 16, 17 years, almost all of my engagement with online games was to try to recreate that feeling. I try to find a new place to belong. And I think- and it's always a very dangerous feeling to be chasing the unicorn that you've met once in the forest out in the meadow or whatever. Oh. I don't know. I was trying to make a weird analogy stated, here. Like, man. Holy shit. It's like- Yeah, chase the unicorn through the enchanted forest. I know, yeah. Because it's like- you have all these fantastic memories of uh, days gone past um, that you really enjoyed, but trying to recreate something that was good is only going to lead to, oh, honestly, it's just going to lead to misery because you're never going to be able to cre recreate something, yeah, um, something, something that was so magical and and so natural mm -hmm. um, that it just kind of happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And memory is a funny thing, right? If we look back yeah. on something positively over time, it becomes this this thing that was greater than it ever was in your mind, especially compared against the failures of trying to recreate it. There's the, yeah. there's the, the fantastic uh, rose tinted glasses, um, mm -hmm. which really doesn't do it justice, but but really it, de it describes it really well. Um, we tend to, to forget all the bad things that also happened at the same time. Yes, because, definitely. Because the great times were only great. That's what we remember the mess. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, I had my like disastrous first year in college during that time where uh, I basically short circuited and had to take a leave of absence. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was other stuff going on at that time for sure. But anyway, um, and I, the only I, I only stopped chasing. Well, I guess if I'm totally honest, I've put that idea further back. Like I've taken distance from the idea of having that again. But I guess what part of what I'm saying when I reflect on feeling like an outsider is a reaction to to what that was and not being able to seemingly recreate it. And, um, you know, some people have found my content and show up for my streams and people I like. But I don't I don't really get the sense that what I had there is going to come back. And uh, it's sad. I wonder if you feel that way it about King. Sad. I do. Okay. I often think about it. I often think about 
some of those uh, some of those friendships. Um, sometimes more than others, but uh, but yeah, I definitely see that as as a great lost opportunity, as I believe you you do as well. Um, yeah, with, with your mates. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I guess it's the struggle for we all know it. I, like gamers, we all know mm-hmm. it. Even like real. I was about to say real people. Nice, nice there to rare. Um, <laughs> people in general exactly people in general we all know this feeling of like the friend you had in high school or uh Mm. your fantastic group of friends that you always were hanging out with and then one summer boom everything changed Mm. um we all have that feeling of loss but i feel like uh there are there there are different ways to manage that feeling um and if you can you can use that to, to channel some something good uh for what you want out of your future um, yeah and i and i feel like that feeling may be worth it in the end if it just huh. becomes a driving force i like that idea i like the idea um, that one can hope right <laughs> yeah maybe one has to yeah maybe maybe that's the engine of creation right there that's a neat idea i really like i'm gonna have to give that some more thought <sighs> okay for me but- it's really uh it's it's really been a uh a driving force in in many ways just like ex- re reinventing myself after this whole like depression everything that happened all the relationships yeah. that were kind of like uh washed down the drain and mm-hmm. um and all these lost opportunities that that kind of happened at that same time it, it really it helped me gain perspective of where was i when i remembered who i was um and what do i want to be in the future mm-hmm. um what what do I want to spend my life doing? And honestly, like I'm going to take a complete pivot here. Um, Let's do it. So honestly, all of that, like going through the the whole uh, depression phase and going experiencing uh, Guild Wars and its community and every everything that I've had uh, happened there and my academia at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, it all ma- helped me realize what I actually wanted to do with my life and spend my days on. All right, and it wasn't psychology. <laughs> Let me oh, put it like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, nowadays I am I'm a very uh, I'm a very happy. Let's call it a content producer. Um, okay. In, as a as a, as an actual profession, um, I I yeah I basically took all of my passions and 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 interests and excitement and channeled it into actual creative energy and well. I am really happy with it's working. where I am right now. Dude, t- really tell me weird. about this. So you mentioned animation before. You're saying content producing. Is it yes. some kind of like, like video creation, digital stuff? Like, wh- what more can you tell us? Well, uh, well, I can tell I can tell you most of it, except for the. Uh, I'm not going to say where I work. That's 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 where oh, no, I no. draw the line. Don't dox yourself. But, uh, but other exactly. But other than that, um, essentially, I took all of uh, all of the all of the skills that I really learned from like video editing and whatnot, all the self self-taught stuff. Um, and then kind of mixed it with my, uh, my master's, which is a, it's a master's in psychology and communications. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I got a job in uh, marketing to begin with, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, essentially creating ads. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're talking like high level, uh, very, very high budget uh, commercials and ads. Okay. Um, where we're working in both uh, 3D uh, and general uh, motion graphics, um, uh-huh. but yeah. Uh, so, so over the last well, year ish, uh-huh. um, longer than that, I took a hobby 
that was like video content creation and uh, character modeling, all that uh-huh. stuff, and actually uh, became really good at it. Okay. And uh, and nowadays I'm I'm creating everything from well uh, character designs and uh, 3D scenes um, to use for for well yeah ads and commercials. So bro, that is so hype. It, I am so excited re- really, for you. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm very excited myself. Uh-huh. It's one of those things where I I really feel like I felt or I found myself. I found I found out what I actually wanted to yeah to do with with myself and okay. uh, yeah it was to be creative. Like I've always just kind of wanted to do. I always wanted to yeah. be creative. I always wanted to create mind spike videos. I always wanted to create all these things. Um, and so it was like, well, why don't I do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I did. And uh, I'm very, very happy uh, with, with where I am. Uh, I started out at a, at a smaller company um, doing, uh, doing uh, what are they called? It's, it was a robot company. Okay. Uh, we were doing, uh, we were animating, or I was animating uh, uh, little robot characters moving okay. all across the screen, doing, oh. doing funny things. And, uh, and nowadays I, I work in, uh, uh, f- uh, well, it's a, let's call it a fin- financial technology uh, company. Okay doing commercials and, and ads for them yes so uh, okay. okay a lot higher budget a lot more fun projects as are all things in which finance. is also yeah yes which is uh, also uh the reason the reason why uh i was a uh, very tired today it's because i've been on a shoot all day uh, oh shit with man. a great green screen shoot uh so yeah you must be it, blasted uh, all, doing that all day then coming and showing up on camera for this oh, and, uh, i considered taking a nap before this but i mean it's weekend anything goes there you go that's the gamer spirit so so yeah um nowadays i feel like i feel like i have a, a really good situation going um i'm really happy and i'm happy because i'm focusing on the things that matter yeah. to me yeah uh, and to the people around me and um well now i can afford going on adventures hey yes it's all good now. yes <laughs> it's like, yeah. like it all adds up yeah so yeah, I'm yeah. actually I'm actually heading back to Seattle here later in later in the summer. Um, oh, cool! For a couple of weeks. Yeah. So, hey, maybe I can swing by Arena's office again. Uh, that would be something, right? That's not happening, by the way. Definitely, definitely. Maybe you can <laughs> let, let, maybe you can let me in while you're there. I'm 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 I live near Seattle, so. Oh I, really? I, hey. Yeah. I I actually for about a year I, I commuted on the bus right by the Ana headquarters, and occasionally I would see developers getting on and off the bus. That Dude, was we should uh, we should definitely grab a. I was about to say a latte or whatever you drink. I don't know. We should we should grab something. Some tasty beverage. This, do this. Do this. Do this. I think that's a face. fantastic idea. Yes. I think that would be really fun later this summer. All right. Let's, uh, let's coordinate that uh, off the pot. Just to... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it offline. I'm I'm excited about that though. Um, cool. So you found. Here, here's what I love about this. Um, you took clues from your life of when when you were doing stuff and you and you, you we were trying stuff right like maybe my life's about guild wars maybe my life's about backpacking maybe my life's about studying psychology maybe my life's about this maybe my life's about that you took it sounds like um, the experience of doing content in guild wars and you took I don't know I gotta imagine that the psychology and the communication stuff must be useful when you're making advertisements 
Oh yeah, I am. To go back to something I said earlier, would I do my masters again if I ever, if I rewound rewound time, rewind the time? Um, okay, I'm the not answer sure. is yes. Yeah. Okay. The answer is yes. I would definitely do that again because that was really so what be in opened this place. up yeah. the door. Yes, it was. It was the thing that gave me the leg up on on everything. Because one thing is like I, I I've got a really broad generalist uh, skill set of like video creation in ev in right. every basically every medium now. Um, but the thing that definitely gave me a, a leg up of, and like someone that trusted me to actually go and do the job that I said I could do um, mm -hmm. was was my studies and it was mm -hmm. my my background in psychology and communications because I definitely I mean. I, I'm not just when I'm creating stuff or pitching ideas or whatnot. I'm not mm -hmm. just a guy with an opinion. I am I'm the guy with the with the straight facts and statistics to prove that this is why yeah. we should do this thing. Um, and so yeah, the answer is yes. I would. I mentioned it makes you very convincing. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome, I mean, bro. So, that's awesome, so, yeah. bro. Like that's that I think is like a great. In, first off, it's amazing in itself, but also like symbolically, it's a huge like encapsulation of uh, 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 that story. I think is useful to people who who feel stuck in gaming, and parts of what you're talking about, I felt like uh, my last couple years has has been about as well. Like picking the clues of my life and being like, oh, I like this, I like this. How can I like these things fit together? How can I make that happen? Um, like, it's one uh, of those, I mean, you hear it all through your life. It's like the adults tell you, oh, follow your dreams, do the things that make you happy or whatnot. Some, some adults say, or like some uh, Facebook post somewhere says, follow your dreams. Yeah. And you hear it everywhere. Um, but it took me, it took me most of my life to realize uh, what was actually uh, the thing that made me happy despite, mm -hmm. and this is, this is where it's like so weird for me. Despite having this constant factor all throughout my life, that is video content creation. Hmm. Like since I was like, I don't remember when I started. I still I still have my first movie I made with friends, which uh -huh. was like a school project in like fifth grade. Uh, and it's like a, a, a stupid parody of scary movie. And okay. it's terrible. And it's on a cassette tape and I have it in my basement. Um <laughs> It, it, it's fantastic I, and i've always loved the medium of like camera doing stuff creating stuff on a screen word but never never until i was like well now years old did i realize yeah well shit this is what i need to re this is what i need to focus on yeah because that is exactly the thing that's making me happy um and if i can prove that to, that i'm good enough for uh, to do the job for someone else someone will pay me for it as well and i can mm. actually live off of this yeah. and it was it was such a great experience just kind of coming coming out from having a really rough time figuring myself out yeah, yeah man. i'm so happy for you so i see impulse in the chat saying happy for you deroyer i'm seeing noxy green rose piping up and saying realizing what truly is your passion and dream is honestly such a complicated and hard thing sometimes i feel like you have to uh you have to find the details in your life and put the pieces together to see what's the real idea. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. here's here's another part of that 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 for me was something that was hard for me to figure out and honor is like the best way to figure out what your dream is or how things can come together for you is you have to you have to try a bunch of shit. 
And I know some yes. people, and I know I too, like I was in my like mid late twenties living off of my parents playing video games. Like I was in that, I was in that spot at one point. And it's very easy to just be like, I have no idea what my dream is. I don't know how to, how to step forward to wait for the dream to come before you try stuff. But the true, the truth of it is you don't get to pick your dream. You have to go out and try stuff and learn from those experiences, engage with the world, figure out what the world gives back to you or doesn't. And it sucks and it's painful and it's going to be ups and downs, but you don't get to figure out what your dream is unless you're exceptionally lucky. Um, yeah. Unless you go through that. Like you, you went on, you went on your adventures, you made content for, for YouTube and all your vlogs. Um, you slogged through this educational experience experience, man, like, um, that that's a big source of motivation for me sometimes when I when I, when I I feel down and want to give myself permission to just turn off. It's like or want to give myself permission to stay where I'm comfortable. Um, I'm actually going through this with my job right now, um, because but the thing is, if you stay in a comfortable experience and let it run your life, you you um, hang on. I'm not, I'm not I've not had this idea before, so I want to make sure I say it. In a way that makes sense and you can tell me what you think mm -hmm. the idea is that it's more of a, a, a piece of encouragement that i offer myself and i offer to everyone here to take or leave which is the awareness of when you're choosing comfort over 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 when you're choosing something that is real that can that that could change your life um that's been a big yeah dictator for me of how i've chosen to engage with games um and a big part of the reason i got excited about guild wars 2 again is because there are so many people i can talk to about guild wars 2 and that makes me want to engage with the game that makes the, 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 the experience feel more real but at the same time i'm always cognizant of like um yeah like maybe i want to clear the every single raid every single week like i kind of would like to do that i'd like to get back to that place be a raider raiding's always the thing in mmos that i've liked doing um like i have the legendary armor on my main i know nothing compared to you but i got one one set yeah. uh <laughs> and we can talk about that but yeah. uh, um brother i, I just, feel like i think that there's a lot for, yeah sorry no no, no you go ahead it was just addressing the 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 bubble, the safety bubble uh, okay. thought that you were talking about here. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with like breaking out of their comfort zone or breaking yeah. out of not, not necessarily just their comfort zone, but like something that feels stable. Yes. Um, yes. Because stability oh. is one of the most calming uh, experiences that you can ever ex experience, but it can also be very frustrating in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, at least I feel like that. Because uh, maybe something is stable that just isn't healthy for you, or it's not making you happy, or it's mm -hmm. not it's not moving you to a place where you feel like you want to move to. Um, you're just kind of stagnating where you are, and that can be a, a mind killer. Really, it can. Um, yeah. And I, I understand why people would want to stay there because it's stability. I mean, it's, it it's feels awesome. good. Um, yes, it does. Um, yeah, it's like breaking that. For something that's, I mean, completely up in the air, I, I get why most people wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, um, I, I empathize with that struggle. Me too. I really do. Me too. Yeah. So, like, thinking back on my life to the things that kind of sometimes the things that 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 get you out of your comfort shell 
isn't necessarily like going out and like pushing yourself out, like pulling yourself by your bootstraps. For me, it's been more about like recognizing the invitation and saying yes to it. The biggest example in my life of that happening was in um, 2000, 2010. Um, I had um, made a bunch of changes in my life, started getting out to, to out of my shell in a bunch of small ways. And as a result, I met the woman who would eventually become my wife. Um, at the time, uh, we were she was living in, in Europe studying music as an opera singer. I was living in... Um, in the U.S. Um, as, a, as a degenerate living off of my parents. Um, she saw something in me across the distance and we corresponded a lot over the course of a year. Eventually, I, I flew her out to meet me. We met, solidified the whole thing. The love was there. And then um, in 2011, we couldn't figure out how to make our lives work to come together. Like it, it, it did quite add up. But her, God bless her mother and May she rest in peace. Um, but she got the idea that the best thing to do would be to buy to buy me a one-way ticket to go live with her, my uh, my my girlfriend, I guess at the time you call her, uh, in her studio apartment in Switzerland while she was studying music. Which, of course, on paper is a terrible idea for a thousand reasons. But um, I said yes to it, and my whole life changed as a result. Like I sold my gaming rig, which gave me a ton of that was very painful to do. Um, I basically didn't didn't play games for like a, a few years at that at that point. Moved to a place where I didn't speak the native native tongue. Southern Switzerland is uh, mostly Italian, and um, tried to get to li live in a new place. Tried to wield this this very nascent skill of teaching English as a second language, which did not go well for me. Um, but anyway, um, by saying yes to that invitation, I put myself in two situations where my life had to change. And when I came back to gaming many years later, I saw it differently. And um, I'm in a situation again where I'm quite comfortable in some ways too with my, uh, my job. So I mentioned before that I've been through a few layoffs, right? Um, the place where I'm at um, is happy for me to be where I am, even if I'm not happy to be where I am at, at, in, in this particular setup. And uh, I think there's a good argument that it's been time for me to move on for a little while, but there's a certain comfort that comes from the devil you know. And I know I know when I can take an early Friday to do a podcast, as an example. I know where all the things fit in. Um, but is it is it comfortable stability? And what am I learning from doing this? Um, there's a real a real a real uh, thorn on that rose, I think. I can it's a good reminder to myself. I think there's a, there's a lot more uh, a lot more thoughts behind all those uh yeah all sorry those man um you can tell you I, 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 I can tell that you have psychological training because it just comes pouring out when i'm talking to you brother <laughs> i'm sorry i'm it's sorry okay. i don't I didn't, I didn't mean to <laughs> but it's i enjoy it i do it's a great it, it's clear it's uh i enjoy having these conversations uh yeah a lot a whole lot it's something that's that's very uh it doesn't happen often just mm -hmm. in general um, that you get hours and hours of, of chatting with a friend um, about well life feelings and and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate I appreciate learning about your yeah your whole situation. No, I, thanks I, for listening. I definitely, and I definitely feel like there's uh, there's there's more behind all that. Uh, yes, 
seems like a very hard choice and I definitely empathize with it is is yeah. I appreciate that I appreciate that um yeah yeah I don't know sometimes I feel like it's quite silly to to uh, solicit a reaction for that but that this this conundrum because it's a very first world type problem but um well I mean a, a problem is still yeah, a problem uh, I have a I have a uh, what's it called um pet peeve with the, word, with the the word uh first world problems okay hey. okay so I'm, I'm gonna bring it up now because uh it's a great segue lay it on me. um because because for well for one reason or another i feel like uh everything becomes a contest or a competition of like who has it the worst and uh oh god saying yeah. that saying that feelings aren't valid or uh, because I live here or I have all these fantastic luxuries, I'm not allowed to, to, to also feel sad or be in a, be in a bad place. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that's bullshit. Um, every, feelings are relative and, and we're humans that acclimate to the situation that we're in. And obviously different people will have different, uh, different struggles uh, depending mm-hmm. on where they are in their life. But that doesn't mean that the struggle that, that well, anyone is dealing with is... Uh, it has to be well neglected as something minor to not be considered as an actual worry. Word. Um, so yeah, I, I just first world problems are still problems. Yeah, man, I think you're right. So, yeah, maybe another way to think about it too would be like it's a failure of a failure of empathy, a failure of recognition, um, mm. a uh, a dehumanization. To yes, definitely classify someone with a different set of problems or a different status it's pointing at someone and saying you are not allowed to feel bad because yeah. i have it worse or those people over there have it worse and right. so you should be feeling good because compared to them you're good why can you why are you even feeling bad that's not how it works that's not how the human mind works i mean yeah. um the feelings are relative all of our lives are relative to to situation that absolutely so yeah i I know people across the whole gamut one of my good friends is someone who's uh retired as a tech millionaire in his early 30s and i look at that and i'm I'm like nice yeah no shit man like i look at that and i'm like fuck (laughs) you know i think about how long i have to do what i'm doing to be to retire and it's just kind of it's 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 disappointing and, you know, yeah. he's my friend, so he complains about shit. Everyone complains about shit. But I never for a moment look at what he complains about and be like, man, these problems don't mean shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just has the fact that, I mean, they call it the human condition for a reason. It's a human condition, not a man, woman, skin color, race, class, any of that shit. Um, there's a reason that, like... Uh, for like Joseph Campbell's uh, the hero's journey and the monomyth, uh, the reason that people recognize the value in things across cultures and the commonalities, like there's a certain, I don't know. Uh, again, I, I peel back to shared humanity, the Sonder once again. Um, clearly, that's a, like a that. thing for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, um, like this is this is fantastic, man. Um, thanks for letting me go down these roads and sharing your own. Um, I think I actually need to take another short break is that that worth it all right that yeah sure we'll be right back folks let's do it uh welcome everyone it's deeg once again back talking to deroyer about guild wars 2 and life we just went down uh very uh 
dare I say, somewhat philosophical exploration about uh, letting go and self-actualization and uh, very I think cool that's a really stuff. Good way of- saying it yeah why thank you i i hope the i hope that my words work if my words start failing me i'm not sure what i'd do with myself <laughs> speaking of words failing me though um so deroyer um i've been talking about a lot of great stuff man um uh, but there's one big topic that i want to make sure that we give plenty of space for and uh it's a it's a big happening that went down in um i think it was around around the fourth of july uh the american holiday in 2018 and that's it of was course exactly the Fourth of July. Oh, okay, yeah. And so that's the the uh, the uh, public interaction and the follow from it that you had with then a rating that developer Jessica Price. Um, I'm going to give yes. just to, to, I'm going to lay a very broad, low resolution foundation for the folks who aren't familiar, and then I'll let you jump in and talk to us about it. By the way, uh, quick aside um, before we do that, I'm actually meant to do this right when I came back, but I forgot is I've been watching the chat. Um, I'm really thrilled that y'all are enjoying the conversation and jumping in. Um, I am planning to do a little casual after show once DeRoyer and I finish up for today. So if you guys stick around, um, we can talk about uh, topics and just just chill and hang out. So feel free to stick around for that. But uh, meantime, the Jessica Price incident. Um, So in July of 2018, um, uh, at the time, Jessica Price was working at ArenaNet on the narrative team. And I think she was a lead, like a narrative lead was her role. Um, and um, one of the cool things about Jessica Price at the time was that she was very um, hands-on and active in what at the studio at that time was doing with, with Reddit AMAs. Or after a release of an episode or something, she was jumping in along with the other developers and talking about the release and how they made some decisions and she was very thoughtful and added a ton of value. I, this is something I always really appreciated about what she was doing. And she seemed like she was having a measurable impact on the game and helping us understand what was going on in a really big way. Um, again, talking about the narrative and how narrative is made in these crazy experiments that are live services MMO video games. Um, so what happened was... Um, she got inspired, I think, from this and made made like a, a series of tweets talking about the nature of um, how to give character, uh, how to give personality to a player character in an MMO, which is, of course, a challenge because a player in an MMO is doing a thousand different things and people have their own ideas about what their personality should be and how to properly honor that. Um, <clears throat> at one point in the conversation to where you jumped in um, and... Uh, at this point, I'll let you explain what happened. Yeah, um, it was it was such a weird moment in time for me. But yeah, yeah. weird so, for everyone, I think. Go on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So essentially, what happened was um, I I I was very interested in in the conversation that was ongoing. It, it was something that I was very uh, very invested in as a as a as a just a a general uh, topic of conversation, which was uh, character development in, in an MMO. It was, uh-huh. it was something that was near and dear to my heart because she was, she was talking about Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, obviously, I was, I mean, speaking out of, out of turn, let's call it that. Uh, at least that was how it was perceived. Um, but from my perspective, it was uh, 
I was a huge fan. I was mm-hmm. very, uh, very interested in everything that was being said. I, I loved everything that had happened before that. Um, she, she'd given some massive, uh, like insights on the development and uh, and the story beats and everything, and it was uh, it was great. And I just wanted to be a part of this this conversation and, mm-hmm. and talk with someone that that really uh, that really knew their stuff. And then um, it was taken the wrong way. Let's let's call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I posted a long uh, long series of tweets. I think it was like four tweets with like uh, I kind of disagree with the fact that uh, you cannot make. Uh, compelling character development in in an MMO because mm-hmm. that was that was kind of her thesis. I'm I'm butchering it a bit, but that was more or less what was being said. She said that you cannot really do this convincingly, and I I said something to the extent, well, um, I I disagree um, or slightly disagree, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and gave a few examples. Yeah, you I can see you have it on screen here. Yeah, I don't exactly understand uh or uh not understand i don't exactly remember the whole thing that went on well i, I um so i was talking about i'll paraphrase if you don't mind i actually went back and read through all this um yes getting ready for this conversation so um her basic premise and i can find the link to that that would add some value i think um jessica's basic premise um here let's just directly quote her um mm-hmm. The, here, here's the basic thesis here. The, the, the dirty secret is I'm not sure it's possible to make an MMORPG or CRPG character compelling because people have different expectations about what that character will be as opposed to a pre-designed character in a single-player game. And the way she... Her, her, I think the strongest argument that she made as part of this was comparing um, the main character in an MMO to a character from Twilight, which I've not seen... Mm-hmm. Um, here is what she said. Um, so I know I've said this before on Twitter, but it's still going to be to weird people out. So please bear with me. You have to construct your MMORPG player characters dialogue as if they were Bella Swan from Twilight. To be clear, I don't think Twilight's good writing. I don't think Bella Swan's a well-constructed book character. And I think people who criticize Twilight for the latter are correct, but also missing the reason for Twilight's popularity. Because Twilight isn't the love story of Bella and Edward. It's the experience of being loved by Edward, which is why Bella's constructed the way she is. Bella is, is carefully constructed blank space with just enough personality to function. All of her personality traits are chosen to avoid preventing the reader from inserting themselves into the space she holds in the story. And that's the comparison that she makes to the MMO. Player and in a lot of ways, I, I always... I, I, I definitely saw where she was going with, with the argument. It's not like I mm-hmm. was completely disagreeing and saying, this is completely false. That was definitely not where I was going, which was mm-hmm. why I started out with, this is an interesting read. I really enjoyed reading through this entire thing. It was a mm-hmm. great insight into, into story development. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, at the time, have a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a gripe with like, uh, the storytelling that, w- that had been done in Path of Fire. Okay. Um, so in, what was that right? in one of, one of my many tweets here, I reference, uh, if you scroll down a bit, I think actually I meant, I mentioned something to the extent of, uh, maybe don't have an, uh, an achievement that forces you to go through all, uh, all the character, uh, development plots or whatever. So, uh, uh, let me see. Yeah. The checklist for an achievement that forces you through all, there we go. Oh yeah. Right all here. dialogue options mm-hmm. because that happened. That had happened in 
in Path of Fire. And it was mm-hmm. like one of those things where obviously you're made to, you are asked to make a choice in the story for your character. Which side are you choosing to follow in the Path of Fire story? Is it Palawa Joko or is it oh, uh, these right. other guys? Or what? And then there's an you, achievement. You, you defend Amnon Oasis, right? Yes. And, and you have to and align with one of the factions. Exactly. And and we've kind of seen that all over the game. It's happened multiple times, but but that one just stuck out to me uh, at at that moment at the mi- moment of writing this, because mm. um, you were the game was forcing you through all of the steps. Essentially, your character was was well not given an option to actually have any personality, and I just had that in the in the back of my mind. Right. Um, so rather than so like by by giving a reward for for kind of checking all the different alignments off on different characters, which is what it would require to do that. I think that, that's yeah. the mechanic of it, right? Uh, exactly. What you were doing is, and if you accept the idea that your account is like a reflection of you more so than the characters are, then it's like you're kind of aligning with every every side, which means the side isn't meaningful. It's not an important exactly. choice. It's, it's just kind it's of a weird of choice. Yeah, and and it, whereas it, like. It like it just becomes a, a blank choice. Like uh, whatever you choose, it doesn't really matter. Um, and and the game essentially forces you to not have a personality. And so my gripe in this situation was just, well, maybe don't construct the game so that you don't really have an option to to actually uh, take diff- have different choices. Yeah, um, I think what you were what you were suggesting too is. Um, you know, to make it so that um, when you chose something like, say, an embranching dialogue, that there would be an opportunity to express yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I know I know my argument wasn't, uh, I mean, the end-all, be-all. It's not like I was a narrative developer at all. I was a layman talking from my my experience of the game, and I didn't I didn't really see this as, as anything other than any other Reddit thread about uh, a comment. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks for trying to tell me what we do internally, my dude. Yeah, that was her initial um, response to what you said. That was her initial response, and I remember, I remember that very vividly because um, it was. I, and I, I will be real in saying that that was actually a very traumatic moment for me. What happened? What followed after after that uh, whole thing? Uh, I was uh, at the gym on a treadmill, and I get the ping on my phone that she's replied. I'm excited. I click in. I see this, and I'm like, "Oh man, fuck!" What, what really happened? And and if it was it was followed up by um, her like quote tweeting this and saying saying that I was something something. Yeah, uh, she put you on blast. Hang on, or something. Yeah, I have that. I have was, that link too. Putting me on blast. Yeah, she. Um, so she followed up with a couple of things. First, she said. Actually, I'm not sure what the, what the sequence was. I think this was the first one she did. Uh, today, in being a yeah. female game dev, allow me, there a person who does not work with you, explain to you how you do your job. Now, let me let me actually back up a little bit. Go ahead, yeah, sorry. I No, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm trying to remember if you actually... So, w- w- when you were in the gym and you got that reply from Jessica... Yeah, you did reply. Okay. Here, here's what you said. Um... You getting mad at my obvious attempt at creating dialogue and discussion with you instead of just replying that I'm wrong or otherwise correct me and my false assumptions is really just disheartening for me. But you do you. If you're sorry if it offended, I'll leave you to it. 
It backed so, out immediately. When you wrote that, what were you feeling? I was feeling terror in, in my entire being. I stepped off the, the treadmill. I went home. I walked home from the gym uh, with my bike in one hand and my phone in the other, not knowing what the fuck I was actually going to write. Because all of a sudden, a hundred people, and it was just pinging like nothing had ever pinged on my phone with notification after notification of people saying that I was a horrible chauvinistic person. And I had no idea where yeah, this was coming from. It was terrifying. And I was instantly just backing out. I, this was my attempt at, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I will leave this, this conversation right now. Yeah. Um, and, and it just kept going. And it it's kept like, going. I, I went home to my uh, to my girlfriend. Uh, I was about to say at the time she's still my girlfriend. Um, I went home to my girlfriend, explained the situation, and and I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like yeah. I have I have no idea what's happening. Everything is just pinging. People hate me now. I like all I did was try to say uh, try to interact with someone someone that I'm that I really was interested in, and she is now, well, yeah, calling me calling me out and telling she's other people to. Yeah, like the she, point she, 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 she tried to out you as a sexist. Yes, like, and I, it, I, I, that couldn't be further from the truth. It was so, so completely disconnected uh, from reality um, that I just could not understand the situation that I was standing in. Like, yeah. I couldn't understand how I was going to get out. I couldn't understand where I was actually uh, standing in the in the moment. It was so confusing and and, and yeah. terrifying. Um, and I essentially like, uh, I don't, I don't remember if there was like a follow-up. I think there was one more message, uh, one more tweet from me as well, where I was like, I am just, I'm done. No more comment. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so much for and, being an open uh, discussion, I guess. I meant no disrespect yes. at all. Never did. Never will. Neither did I imply I knew better, nor has anything, has this anything to do with gender. Never did. Never will. I'll retract my comment because obviously I'm in the wrong forum for this kind of talk. Exactly. And that yeah. was that was the end of it for me. That was I, I I told myself I wasn't going to interact with anything, but it just kept piling up with people reaching out and well, calling me bad bad words, let's call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I didn't know I didn't know how to how to handle it. Honestly, I was just like I was completely dumbfounded. Um and it, yeah, I mean, for the for overnight, my my phone just kept ticking, kept ticking, kept ticking. I had to turn off the no notifications because it was just harassment, mm -hmm. and I didn't know where this was going. And I I I texted one of my friends um, about this whole situation, this whole situation, because I felt I was very, very, very alone in this situation. I yeah. felt like I was getting piled on, and no one no one saw it from my perspective, and it was. It was this weird feeling of like, I don't want to say gaslighting, but it felt like I was being told that I did something. I, I was definitely sorry. I, or not sorry. I was yeah. definitely sure I did not do. You were being I put know I in the position it. of apologizing for something you didn't do. Yes. It, yeah. it was, and it was such a, it was such a disconnected experience altogether. So mm -hmm. I reached out to my friend and he was like, what the fuck? uh what's happening uh like and because he hadn't seen it it was just on twitter at the time my my twitter had like i don't know no followers whatsoever i was just a rando dude uh content creator uh talking with a dev of a game that i really liked and getting blasted for it 
Um, so that all just kind of, I mean, she was, she was relentlessly just writing, uh, yeah. following up with everyone else uh, that were like spamming me down. And I was just like, constantly getting notifications. Anyways, I, I keep repeating myself. What happened was um, my, my friend actually shared it with the Guild Wars 2 community on Reddit, unprompted by me. I, this, I did not ask for any, any of this, any, mm-hmm. any, any attention, anything. Mm-hmm. But he shared it and it got attention yeah. from the Guild Wars 2 community. It, it, it all, all of a sudden kind of, kind of flipped. Um, because what happened was it wasn't just her bubble of uh, followers that were viewing this, uh, this incident now. Now it was the Guild Wars 2 community watching. Right. And the then other Leviathan just, slouched into the conversation. Exactly. And it mm. just it turned into a flood of, well, people from both sides trying to defend one or the other. And mm. it, was, it, was a, it was a battle of uh, misinformation, I want to say, because most of the things, or most of the things people were saying, it wasn't really true. There was a lot of just like getting it's like shit being pulled out of thin air, uh, assumptions being made, and just uh, some people with an agenda for for trying to do something that definitely had nothing to do with the the whole situation. There was a lot of mixed emotions all all together, and right at the center was little old me, who did not want to say a single word because I was definitely out of this situation. I did not want anything to do with the situation whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and it really just snowballed from there, which just made me feel even worse. Uh, there's a lot of people that say, oh, uh, you must be happy that, for what happened with Jessica Price uh, or, uh, or Peter. Um, Peter right. Freese, so, who, so for those who don't know, who also, so yeah. there was the, the, the big community uh, uh, um, like uh, reaction to the reaction. And, and then the next day, July 5th, we saw a forum post from Mike O'Brien, the president and at the time game director of Guild Wars 2 um, on the forums. Um, he's just, uh, let me just, let me just find his words. I don't want to paraphrase this. Um, did I save the link to this? To, to give another, uh, another little detail um, sure. on Twitter, on Twitter as when the, the other great Leviathan is, as you so called it, uh, the Guild Wars 2 community kind of started talking uh, back to Jessica, uh, Peter Fries, uh, another oh, uh, fantastic right. game developer, uh, jumped into the conversation and defended his colleague, as is uh, yes. expected from any from any other good colleague in person. I have what he um, said right here, and the the, yes. the, the the tweet's been deleted, so you can't find it. So, but I do. Someone someone grabbed it. Here's what here's, here's what he said. Here's a bit of insight that I legitimately hope he reflects on, and I guess he 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 is you in this case. I'm not sure. Um, Me. She never asked for his feedback. These are our private social media accounts. Imagine you're an astronomer and you start sharing some things you've learned in the last few months since you began a research project observing Saturn, only to have observation techniques explained to you by a layman. Jessica is great at her job and she deserves to be treated with respect. That's what Peter said. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember reading after the fact that, that Peter was literally like sitting out on the lawn enjoying the holiday with his family. And with his phone in his hand yep. while this was going on, and that's what he said. And then, um, yeah, which just made this whole conversation, this whole situation, even worse. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, like, I feel like at the time of writing the comment to her, I was just uh, just another guy 
with a random opinion on the internet. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I didn't matter until it was blown up and, um, and, and it was, it was taken as an offense. Yeah. Um, I did, I didn't mean it as an offense. I had huge respect for her, uh, prior and well, I mean, for the longest time, I guess. Um, and then to be told also that I, I'm trying to teach her something or I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I, I don't have any respect for the person. I did. I, I mean, it was, it was one of those, it was the same situation where it's like, I feel like I'm being told I did something. I really didn't feel like I, I did. It, right. it felt so, so dis disconnected from reality. Um, but yeah, he kind of, uh, as Noxie put it here in, in chat, got caught in the crossfire, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just so everyone knows the, 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 understands the funeral tones that we're explaining all this in the following day, Mike O'Brien fired. Jessica Price and Peter Freeze from ArenaNet for their participation in this, and that was what the forum, what what the uh, announcement that he posted on the forum was. Here's what he yeah. said: Recently, two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communicating with players. Their attacks on the community were unacceptable. As a result, they're no longer with the company. I want to be clear that the statements they made do not reflect the views of ArenaNet at all. As a company, we always strive to have a collaborative relationship with the Guild Wars community. We value your input. We make this game for you. How did you feel when you saw that? Um, I felt terrible because it meant that my actions on the internet had caused two people their jobs, two people that I ex had exceptionally high or put in exceptional high regard right? Um, and very much looked up to in many regards. Um, and I cost them their job or obviously it, I didn't cause them to lose their job. It was not my fault, but at the time it definitely felt, felt like I it yes. was my fault. Yes. Um, I was not, I was not the one calling for anything to happen or to be followed up on this. I was not the one calling for any firings whatsoever. I wasn't calling for retributions and I didn't want, it did not want an apology. I didn't care. I was out. Yeah. Um, I was not involved with any of this, but I got the full br uh, blunt of the or brunt of the, brunt. the backlash from, from all the people that felt like, uh, Jessica was in the right, or mm -hmm. that um, uh, Peter. Uh, I mean, they didn't want to lose Peter for obvious reasons. He's a fantastic. Uh, he's a fantastic uh, individual. Peter, in, I think, in had been reading that for like fifteen years or something like that. At that point, he was one of the OGs. And, yeah, and here comes some random old dude on on the internet saying stuff, and it just kind of butterflies effects out of out of yeah. I don't know proportions to the point where. Um, yeah, they lose their job. It felt horrible. It it genuinely felt horrible. Um, yeah, and I I didn't know what to do because it it, it was it was a <clears throat> it was a, at that point it was a tidal wave that was completely uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. Nothing that I said or did could change anything that was unfolding. Mm -hmm. um, the the like international media were getting on board. Uh, right. There are journalists. There are journalists from like Kotaku. Uh, joining my Discord channel, uh, trying to like uh, uh, reach out to me and get a comment for Holy for shit. weird interviews. I had to like uh, put even more uh, security restrictions on my Discord channel just to have no one join for a period of time uh, mm. because so many journalists were trying to reach out and get a comment on weird shit. YouTubers were covering it. It was it was blowing up to proportions that were completely unfounded and unnecessary. Mm -hmm. um and 
and I didn't say a word because it was it was the only right thing I felt like anyone could do in the situation was just shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I shut the fuck up. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, how did I was it, the only one. How did you how did you feel when you realized that the only thing you could do was not engage? Did that feel disempowering? I felt, I felt yeah, weird? it felt very disempowering. It felt very. Um, I think I think when it really hit me um, was when a lot of the articles that were coming out and a lot of the things that were being said were obvious lies because I was I knew the situation. I was there, um, and it was being presented as if. Like, honestly, it was like, it was my first, it, it felt like it was my first experience with like fake news uh-huh. because it felt like that. It was like, it, I felt like I was reading an article about me saying that, saying I did something that I definitely did not do. Right. And it felt so, I felt so disconnected from reality. Everything was just weird and upside down. Yeah. Luckily, like the only thing that really kept me sane through this was the fact that there were, there was the guilt as, as a vitriolic um as some people can be the guild wars 2 community saw saw it for what it was and found some of all these clips of me saying like i have huge respect for this woman uh there's all all these fantastic things and then like them piecing the whole picture together really helped me like realize that okay yeah it i am not the one that's got a distorted reality it's it's really is just being distorted by by other parties and here here here's yeah. some uh there was a clip from you um from your stream the day before this happened july 3rd and i transcribed what you said um i love jessica price's responses she is like the god of fucking amas she just gives great answers all the way through it's absolutely amazing to read through there's record of positive regard there and then I also watched the stream you gave after the event where you kind of reflected on it. Um, yeah. In many, in many regards, I, 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 have, uh, Nick, I have refused to rewatch uh, my stream after that um, mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily think I did all the right things, all the right moves there. Okay. Um, at, the, at the time, right before going live, this was a situation. The situation was... I was streaming live every day. I told myself I'm going to stream live every day. This is right. my goal. I'm not going to stop. And so when uh, Arena had actually reached out and said, uh, please don't talk about the situation. Mm. Um, I was like, uh, there is no way that I can go about not talking about the situation because there's already 500 people waiting around in chat. Yeah, right that's just now. insane. And I, and I am going to go live. Mm. Um, so I went live. But it was the, it was such a weird weird experience because every every everyone's eyes were on me, wanting to I don't know tell them what happened, tell them what my thoughts were, start a war, blow the war horn, or something. I don't know what it really was, but there was a lot of uh, expectations, um, and I I didn't want any part of it. But things slipped out, I guess. I mean, it was just like. I, I, I did say some, like, for example, I kind of hinted that ArenaNet didn't want me to say uh, or talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very, very friendly uh, request from them. And there was no demand for, for me to not talk about it. But it may have come across as, as something it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I was just generally in a confused state. 
at yeah, that point. And, yeah, and I, I imagine that you were trying to find some closure on the event. Because, um, I mean, to you, it, it must have felt like getting run over by a truck. Like something that happened to you. Not something yeah. that, you, that you provoked. You didn't hop in the driver's seat. You were just, you know, going through the crosswalk or whatever the metaphor is. Um, yeah, I have a lot of sympathy. Um, I would say empathy, but I've never been in that situation. And I can only imagine what it's like to be under the crosshairs in that way. Um, I, it was really fascinating to watch how the Guild Wars 2 community rallied around you. Um, yeah. I, and- I, I cherish a lot of the support that I got. I don't endorse everything that obviously happened there, but I mm-hmm. do cherish a lot of the support that I got there because it kept me sane. It gave me a, a pillar of stability in in a, mm-hmm. in a situation that I had no idea how to handle. Right. Um, and, and that I didn't really, I mean, in, in a sense, I didn't really intend on handling. I wanted to just let it go. Yeah. I wanted it to, I wanted to say sorry and I'm backing out now and for it mm-hmm. to end there because I saw no point in taking it any further than that. Yeah. But it, but it did get taken further than that. And so when it just kind of escalated, I was so, so happy to have a stable pillar uh, to lean against, which was the Guild Wars 2 community. Um, yeah. Genuinely, 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 a lot of, a lot of uh, support, both, uh, both mentally and just like, I mean, words of encouragement and just like, yeah. I mean, when everyone's talking about the event or so many people in so many forums or uh, websites are talking about the same thing or like misportraying something, it's very important to have people, uh, multiple people or groups of people to like combat this misinformation because there's so much misinformation. It was disgusting. Yeah. um, Yeah, man. But yeah, it's it's a rough beat. it's a rough beat to be an example in someone else's narrative in that way. Mm. I and think the thing that's was like, what happened. So many people wanted to vilify me afterwards. Mm. Um, so many people wanted to point fingers at me. There are still people. And like for months after the, the actual event happened, there were like people just um, deliberately going out of their way to either troll or like harass me in both in game, like in uh, world versus world or in PVP or really? uh, just messages. Yes. People were relentless. There were groups chasing me uh, all around world versus world. I couldn't leave uh, for like a week. I couldn't leave the, uh, uh, the spawn point because they would find me and just go after me only. That's wild, um, man. And yeah, yeah, did they yeah, say yeah. anything about why horrible. they were doing it? Or were they just acting with their feet? Every single time they would kill me, I would get a message that just said, for Jessica Price. Sorry, that's a mosquito. Holy shit. Every single time, for a week straight. I got mails, I got uh, messages, I got everything. Like People were horrible, um, all trying to vilify me and make me out to be this uh, this horrible, horrible evil that got their favorite developer uh, fired when in fact I had I don't feel like after a lot of reflection I was not the cause of this I did not it's not my fault yeah that it it came that it came to be yeah let's uh, I did, let's t- I didn't talk about that, that the cause um yeah. if you don't mind um I don't know I think that the, the ugh, look. The, the ramifications that came out for this are fascinating. And there's so many, not just the being killed in World of the World, which I didn't even know about till now, 
but like there are articles written and, and counter articles and like ugh, there's so much stuff that came from this um and i want to talk about that stuff too but if if you are okay with it um i think it might so before we actually sat down to talk here dory you, you, i briefly chatted with you just to let you know that i did have an interest in discussing this topic and i yeah. wanted to offer you some assurance not that i was necessarily just just sympathetic to you but I had a sympathetic view of every party involved. Um, and, you know, we've had a few moments of reflecting on Sonder and the connectivity of all people and things like that. And I really want to carry that over into this if we can. Um, and I don't want to excuse anyone either. So that's a tough balance to strike. Um, I, read, I read one commentary that was fairly negative on you. And he here's the, the strongest argument I heard made. And... Uh, I'm just going to get it out of the way, see if I can find it. For what it's worth, I am also, uh, I was uh, at the time, and still I am very sympathetic with. Nice. What was that? My plant just Oh, no. My plant. Nice. We um, withered it with our conversation. Honestly. Um, I'll deal with that. Yeah. So here, um, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go, no, go ahead. Okay. So this is from an article. Um, I want to properly credit it. Um, written by Adrian Hahn, who I don't know, but who covered this. And I picked out two quotes from it that I thought were interesting. Um, first one, suggesting that what you're jumping in and talking the way you did initially when you were just getting involved in the conversation. Uh, the quote is akin to telling a Formula One mechanic to maybe try putting better gas in the tank, which a fan talking to a developer, I see how that could be perceived as a developer in that way. I, I kind of am, even though I don't agree with it, I can sympathize with why a developer might see that. But the other thing that this person said is DeRoyer being the straw that broke prices back. And I think that there's yeah. a lurking truth there that is worth mentioning. Um, I haven't spoken to Jessica. I don't know exactly how she feels about this now, although I think she's pretty out there still. Um, she, did an art, she did an interview back in 2013, this would have been five years before the incident, talking about sexism in the games industry and talked about all the things you'd expect. Um, the simple act of being constantly interrupted, having your ideas not, not, not being respected, um, the systematic issues that women face, which are real, they're real, and which can, I think, enact heavier tolls in, pa in, in professions of passion, like game development. Where a lot of where a lot of things are excused because everyone expects it to be a profession of passion, um, and even to the point where she said that she has been had been sexually harassed um, multiple times, and it's hard for me to put myself in those shoes. But if you're a person who is in, is has gone through something like that, these traumatic experiences. It makes complete sense to me that someone would be very afraid of going through those experiences again. And I can see how she might look at your earnest attempt to join the conversation as a sort of denial or disrespect, just because you were jumping in at a different level of, honestly, you don't work at ArenaNet. You don't have access to the same level of insight she does. Um, so wh what do you have to contribute to the conversation? Maybe that that's what she thought. I don't know. Um, Peter said something about it being a private account. And I don't think that makes any sense because it was all done in a public place for public attention. And if she wanted a place to 
put her thoughts out there in a way that no one else could interact with. There are other mediums for that. But even though I do not... So what she ended up doing, in my mind, was, um, of course, she didn't honor your intentions of jumping in and being part of the conversation. She misinterpreted your intentions based on previous experiences that I suppose she had. And I try to be sympathetic to that. But then the choice to turn around and put you on blast to escalate the situation. So if this had ended with her saying, yeah, okay, your opinion doesn't matter. I can't remember what she said exactly. Thanks for telling me how, how we work internally. This very dismissive thing, which by itself is a real personal tragedy for you, I think. And I really empathize with that. But then her choice to, to then turn around and what she had not done up till then and call out your gender as part of the problem or her gender as being part of the problem. Um, that choice to change the narrative from being about, like literally writing the narrative of the situation to go from being about a professional and an enthusiast talking about something that they both care a lot about to being um, someone trying to suppress her ideas based on her gender. And then in doing so, call you out as being someone who is who is like this, um, who is sexist. And that is, that's like bringing a gun to a slap fight. It's a hilarious escalation. And I don't mean hilarious in like the ha-ha sense. I mean like in the tragic sense. Like it's a tragic escalation of events. And in my experience, people don't escalate that way unless there's something going on in their past that they're bringing into the situation. Like I deal with this with my wife and not, and not sexism stuff, but like, you know, uh, hey, honey, can you take out the trash? You know, you ever have one of those moments with your significant other? Because uh, you don't quite agree on how to handle taking out the trash and maybe you do it all the time, even though she's supposed to help. And like, you know, it's not like the single, the, the, the moment is the thing that's enraging. It's everything that came before it. Um, and in this yeah, situation exactly with Jessica, I saw a lot of stuff that came before that was introduced and then that you had to then deal with. And um, I think, I think actually like bringing up, bringing up her uh, past is a really good uh, um, reflection point. Let's call it that. Uh, okay. Because the reality, the reality was that I didn't know who she was. Like uh, beside uh, a Guild Wars two developer that was doing amazing, uh, amazing work. Right. I didn't know her background. I hadn't really followed uh, her story up until joining ArenaNet. Um, in hindsight, <clears throat> I had a couple of friends uh, who were like, "I when I saw uh, it, like after the fact, after everything had happened, they were commenting and saying like, um, when I saw you uh, interact with her at first, I." Did, I couldn't believe you had actually done that. I would have stayed uh, five feet away from from anything. I had a lot of those comments actually come come my way after after. Uh, they couldn't believe what? Down. Sorry, I don't, I don't quite understand. They couldn't believe that I had actually interacted with her account because they felt like sh they knew what would happen if I uh, had interacted oh. with her. Tried to yes. They, they couldn't believe um, that you touched the the hot oven. That kind of idea. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and I can never, I can never really empathize with that, uh, uh, that sentiment because, sure, I mean, there, there can be, uh, let's call it, uh, not, let's not call it red flags, just like flags, 
of like, yeah, maybe maybe this is a bad idea uh, to do. But mm-hmm. I guess I was just I was just interacting as a as a as a person of as a as a person who's interested. Um, mm-hmm. But I can definitely the thing is like um, one thing that I can empathize a lot with is I can definitely empathize in hindsight with her uh, point of view and where she came from. Um, I fully empathize with the fact that if you are part of a minority or underrepresented group in any demo- uh, demographic or setting, um, you there is a there's a strong there exists a strong an inherently strong incentive to rebel against the status quo and very often that has to be done violently uh or publicly or aggressively uh you got to you got to mark your territory let's call it that um mm-hmm. and say here i here i am this is me this is what i stand for um and definitely that was a case of well her her speaking her opinion and if i get it, well acting on her assumptions uh, of yeah. what my intentions would be um and i can definitely understand where she is coming from i definitely can i can empathize with that um okay. the thing is like i as much as i can empath- uh, empathize with it i can't really sympathize with it i can't really put myself in uh in her shoes and say that i would have done the same because i would mm-hmm. have just blocked um and obviously who am i to say uh what she should have done because the reality is i am not in her shoes i have not lived her life i've not walked a mile in her shoes yeah um so she does what she does because of the reasons that she is because of the life that she's the life that she has lived yeah um so under so probably completely understandable and reasonable in in her life and and from her her lived experience as a human being, uh, all of what she did made sense. Um, but for me, it still still felt yeah well wrong wrong. There's this um, there's this me. idea that I like to keep top of mind when people do things that seem strange, um, which is that people do things for reasons that make sense to them, um, even if they don't yeah. make sense to you. And it bears mentioning that. Um, I'm not trying to excuse anyone here. I think there's a. I think that with without we can still try to understand what happened without excusing the action. Yeah. And you know whatever whatever social faux pas you may have committed by jumping into a conversation that maybe was above your level. I think that's the implication. I'm not sure I agree with it, but let's just say that's what people Which, are responding I mean, to. Maybe it's fair. Yeah. It's a it's a fair uh yeah it's a it's a it's a fair statement in in many regards obviously like if you see it from the standpoint of all these straw men fallacies that everyone or straw men that uh, everyone well, are building yeah. up to like well it doesn't excuse uh, the let, action let, it doesn't excuse no, it exactly and it, it doesn't explain the, it and that's why I mentioned before like people ride into these with a whole bunch of things you don't see mm-hmm. um and there's the whole lived experience um so yeah um. I think very clearly the escalation and the accusation of sexism was um, was inappropriate, and I think it was made much more inappropriate by the inevitable reaction that was formed from that. And perhaps and I think that there is an easy story to tell um, that the reaction was calculated to create that story, um, and maybe that 
the desire to create that story is for her a reaction to some stories that she's she's lived through. Um, any whatever the case is. Um, by the way, Jessica, if you're out there, I'd love to hear what you think about this. Um, Honestly, me too. The one of my greatest let's call it regrets from this whole situation is mm -hmm. that there never seems to have been, there never seems to have uh there's never come a resolution right nothing nothing's been resolved um i i was uh blocked shortly after uh the tide turned um mm. so i never i never saw anything after that uh yeah. i never heard anything i never had an opportunity to even like reach out and say sorry again obviously yeah. that is that is words from from no from she put you on blast the and then blocked you when the narrative turned against her she burned the bridge she burned the bridge from yeah. her side. and in reality all all i really want is just there to be a, a resolution and if the resolution is we'll just go about our our ways and live our lives and uh yeah in separate peace that's all right um i mean i i don't I don't expect anything else to come from this. Honestly, I, I wanted to just uh, obviously from the start, I wanted it to just end. But yeah, um, if like if I can say anything, it's like I'm I am truly sorry for how it all unfolded. Um, and yeah, yeah I, that, and that's a very I, I, humble I humble position to take because I think you can successfully make the argument that the the ultimate outcome, the the most important outcome from this, which is not a block on Twitter and not a bunch of articles. But the real negative outcome from this is two people losing their jobs. And that, I think the, the idea that you have some responsibility 100%. there is, is very overstated. And there's another conversation to be had here about the decision that was made by ArenaNet and the people who were responsible for making that decision there to make that choice. And there's a bunch of ink that's been spilled over that decision about whether people like Peter and Jessica should have lost their jobs over tangling in something like this. Um, that's a very tough one. A very, very tough one. Um, I know it, the last thing I would want if I'm arguing with someone on the internet if them, is for them to lose their job as a result of it, no matter what they say to me, because it's just words on the internet. It, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but we live in this world where the stories we tell about ourselves and each other have such value because the the words have such permanence and the level of accountability for what people say is higher than it's ever been because we live at the beginning of history right now where nothing will ever be lost and there'll be images videos and words and documentation of all the things people have said and thought in a way that never existed up in previous generations and one of the the major critiques that i read about 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 this whole situation and everyone simplifies it in one way or another. But one of the reductions that I read is um, is the power of the Reddit mob to, to provoke a response and how ready ArenaNet was to respond to that. And it's not the first Reddit mob we've seen ArenaNet respond to. Um, I watched your video the other, the other day about the, uh, the, Mount, the Mountgate controversy. It's a funny connection to make, but... Yeah. Um, I... I Obviously, yes, the, the the Reddit mob is uh, is a great way to uh, to say it. But honestly, from from my perspective, it, it was a Twitter mob that was coming my way to begin with. Yes. Um, for 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 so you, the enemy was a Twitter mob, and for Jessica, the enemy was the Reddit mob, and for yeah. Reunet by uh, association. Exactly, and I feel yeah, there's a, a great disconnection between. I don't know. Yeah, it it just. Uh, 
Fuck everything mobs from man. that time. Man, fuck mobs. Huh? Fuck mobs. Yeah. Every, this everything what, from this that is why we have to have these one on one conversations, so bro. Bad. This is why you have to talk one on one. This is the only way you can truly humanize a person's actions is to have is to understand the context, meet the real person. Um, I'm supposing a lot on Jessica's behalf because I've seen stuff like that in the past. And when you see someone acting out of hurt, it's very the true art is to deal with the action while respecting the hurt. And that is so hard to do. And just by looking at all the reactions to this, you can see the desire to simplify, simplify, simplify. All oh, this is about, this is about, you know, um, overconfident white men versus oppressive women. That's the narrative. Oh, this is about um, developers versus gamers. This is about, um, you know, uh, game studios versus public perception. Like, it is about all those things, and it's also about so much more. And I, I defy the instinct to reduce any of these things. I think that's the only right way to go about it. Honestly, I think this this all could have been solved if, uh, I mean, yeah, if if I don't want to say, I don't I don't want to say the obvious, but it, uh, if we had just at the beginning of it all sat down and just said I'm sorry or understood each other, yeah, um, and yeah. by that I mean jessica and i um because obviously we were coming from two very different perspectives walking into the same conversation and coming out with uh two different very different uh, uh yeah perspectives on of what was actually being said in either direction and i feel like it was just a bad case of miscommunication yeah based off of well our individual yeah mm -hmm. i don't mm -hmm. know I don't know what the I don't even know what phrase to put there, but yeah, man. Everything everything about that whole experience just feels terrible to me. Um, sure, and look, I all, really all throughout it was like, uh, and and now I've I've gotten a lot of distance. It's 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 a couple of years back now, um, yeah. but I still I still see it pop up everywhere. Um, right. Once in a blue moon, there's a, there's a reference to this this or that, and uh, yeah, they're they're just. It it never really seems to to properly properly end because uh, some of the dynamics there are evergreen. The problem yeah. of sexism in in our society and in the games industry still a problem. It's really interesting Truly. too because yeah. Arena is one of those companies I know that's really out there in terms of being very pro diversity. Like they really ride with that right up on the front seat of their mission. At least parts I'm of the company do. I mean, parts of the company. Yeah. I can't speak for every part of the company. I can't speak for any part of the company, but. Like talking to Tom Abernathy and Bobby Stein, both because in the narrative department, um, I really get a very strong vibe of that from them. Definitely, definitely. It's one of those, I mean, obviously I'm speaking from the point of view as a white male in a, in a first world country, but the reality is that like I was, I was, I mean, Denmark is a very, very open-minded country all around. Okay. It's the country I've lived in my entire socially life. Socially progressive, you'd say? It's extremely socially progressive. It's always been very socially progressive ahead of, uh, well, the international standard, let's call it that. Okay. Um, I work at a company right now that is like 70% uh, women. I'm exaggerating, but it's like it's at least 60%. Okay. Um, a lot of the leadership programs, everything is channeled towards women. It's all, it's, I mean, more power to it. It's fantastic more opportunities for everyone. I'm all for all of these things. 
Um, and I've always been all for like supporting diversity. I'm I'm there with all my uh, all of my rainbow friends. I mean, it's honestly, it's like, mm-hmm. and then being called out for being sexist was such a, I mean, it's yeah, such man. an odd experience. It was something I'd never experienced in my entire life. Did you have um, a sense when it happened again, of like there being a potential risk to your future, like or your career, and being identified yes, as a actually. sexist? Okay. I did actually. It was a. Uh, I was. I was terrified. I was. It, it is the one time, um, throughout my entire like uh, gaming career where I was so so happy that my real name was not out there. Ah. It was the one time where I was like, "Fuck yeah, I did it right," mm. because I know that something. Sp- something would have come of it and i'm not saying that it would have like been doom and gloom and uh my my personal life is now ruined or anything but something and it was it was a gaming um was a sphere of my life that i did not want to really overlap with with reality um and there was an actual chance of it doing so in a very very uh uh negative way yeah so yeah it was it was very uh I was very cautious. I was very, uh, I was scared, honestly. Um, yeah, if I were you, I would be too. Yeah. I um, I talked to a Planetside streamer about a, a, little, a little bit more than a month ago, I guess. Um, his name is Shockter, and um, much smaller scene, but he was publicly called out for being a racist um, by someone else in the community. And I talked to him about that situation, and uh, he, went, he went full blast on the counteroffensive. Um, and I, for what it's worth, I think the guy who called him a racist was clue was completely off base with it. Um, and in poor taste in many ways besides, but that kind of an accusation is dangerous. Just having the accusation out there and being public is dangerous. Um, yeah, and it ruins lives. Like, I mean, and yeah. not to like say that it, uh, that this was the thing that happened, but for like, uh, Jessica and Peter, obviously this whole situation happened like they lost their jobs yeah i mean technically the same thing could have happened to me because if if the needle was pointing in another direction yeah i mean and and peter just for being involved and offering some words in jessica's defense he didn't even reinforce the gender thing at all just and that's i think i feel like actually the like peter is the one like the, the, all the things that happened to Peter, the thing that happened to Peter that he lost his job was like the thing that felt probably the worst to me because yeah. it felt like he was he was he was actually doing he was being a good person. He, he was, was getting he his was colleagues helping, back. Yeah, he was he exactly he I, uh, he was helping his friend. He was helping his colleague. Yeah, um, just kind of tackling the mob that was kind of coming for, or that was coming for her. Um, and as a result of that, as a result of being a good Samaritan, uh, he lost his job and it felt yeah. fucking terrible. Um, and it must have felt even worse for him, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. He, he had great intentions. But yeah. And that's very big of you to say, because he did, he did cast you in a somewhat negative light. But oh, yeah. But I mean, and the, and the thing is, like, I, I get it. I get why people uh want to take me down in that sense in the in the sense of like why does he have anything to say to this person mm-hmm. they're right 
mean, in all honesty, obviously, I don't have any level of expertise. I never claim to have any level of expertise. I don't. I. I wasn't. Uh, You're an I enthusiastic amateur. Yeah, when it comes. Yeah, to that I, stuff. exactly. I, I. I wasn't trying to be an arbiter of truth or anything. I was trying to engage in a conversation, and uh, it was taken. It was taken as someone trying to correct a professional, and I get why people are trying to. Well, make the analogy. I called them straw men, straw men earlier, but yeah, yeah. It's well, like, I mean, if, if it, she... the situation wasn't wasn't yeah, that right. I was trying to 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 tell a Formula One uh, mechanic how to do their job, but better gas in the tank. Exactly, that wasn't the situation. That's definitely not how I felt like, and I'm sorry that it. Yeah, you were just interacting in the way that you best knew how to do, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 happens a lot, right? Um, like occasionally, um, I'm trying to think of a good, of a good example. Um, you know, like if you know a lot about a topic, like let's say that you're, you're an expert in brewing out, brewing beer, let's just say, and you talk to your friend and he gives you some idiotic opinion about beer. Like, yeah, you could like shut him down. You could, but you could also honor their enthusiasm, right? You could also honor their enthusiasm while offering them some of your perspective. That's the bigger or, person thing to do, or just ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it, and I feel it, like I feel like that's is, such an undervalued thing. But in, in in this case, if we're trying to make the the connection between these two scenarios, just ignore it. Yeah, and ignoring it, because, I think, it is what a lot of people in that situation do. Yeah, because yeah. if you genuinely feel that a person's words have no value to your expertise or your perceived uh, worldview then just ignore it. Right. So like on the spectrum of like... It's what I do. It's what I do on Facebook when there's weird shit coming up. It's what I do when whenever uh, anyone's trying to tell me how to do uh, the things that I'm an expert in. Yeah. Just listen. Be like, cool, man. I'm on with my day. So on like the... There's, uh, there's no... Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was just about to end by saying that there's no real need to... Uh, make it into a fight every time yeah on the like the 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 spectrum of like let's call it empathy right like on the one Mm -hmm. side the so what i just stood up would be the the ultimately empathetic response to see through the words to to perceive the intent which is someone who is a creator who wants to join the conversation and wants to hash over a certain part of it and Mm -hmm. the thing to do in that situation if you truly embody the to Im- truly embody the authority you possess, will be to offer a response to say something like, you know, here's how we would do it. To offer a real response that actually actually responds to what you said, and offers some of that authoritative perspective. You don't have to sit someone down just because they've said something silly or that doesn't quite um, honor your authority. And treating what something like that as a challenge to authority sh- is 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 a real um, it's a real hazard. It's one of those does not play with well with others kinds of red flags. I think speaking generally here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, embody the true embodiment of authority when someone comes to you as an amateur is to honor their intention and their enthusiasm. The opposite. Is to put them on blast, which is what happened. Like, right? Like, this is offensive to me. 
fuck this person. And also, this is part of a bigger problem. And they're sexist. Like, I'm trying to imagine how else she could have escalated this outside of physically assaulting you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just crazy, right? Like, it, it's, it's, it's actually crazy that a person could see that. And the fact that someone would have that kind of a response, it kind of creates a counter empathy in my mind for what she must have experienced in her life to give her this sense that this is what was happening in that moment. And I think I have a lot of empathy for the person who feels the need to respond that way. Not because they're right in their action, but because it's the action of a very hurt person. And it's a shame. I, yeah, I, uh, in this case, I am going to uh, not ex not really comment on what you said. I, I think there were uh, uh, great words, uh, but uh, I try to abstain from uh, from really commenting on. Yeah, and I I probably dove in too deep and to poor um, taste. Uh, yeah. Perhaps, and I don't know. That's I guess that's the thing. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I, I don't know. I, like the, the thing is, like I I never had anything. I never had anything personal against her. Um, yeah. As, e even after the thing, it was like, I mean, I I, I didn't even I didn't even really, really know. Um, and I'm okay. not going, I'm not going to really make assumptions about everything because I I don't know. The that's the reality. I yeah. I neither of us really do. Know. Neither of us really know, and we can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just uh, I'm just offering some observation uh, so some correlations between similar kinds of experiences i've had in my life yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's just a suggestion it's a suggestion of how those actions could be interpreted it's definitely not, definitely not a reckoning and it's definitely not um with any sort of authority um it's just comes from this place in me that inherently wants to humanize people and i get it i get it fully yeah yeah so Heavy, heavy topic, man. It is. It is. Um, and I, I, you know, I thought I, I might want to talk about like the justification of firing people, but I don't even think I really want to go there. Like, that may be just too heavy to talk about. The thing is, like, yeah, I, uh, it's such a, that particular thing. I, I want to say just one thing. Okay. Is, uh, I am, I am not the one to take, uh, I don't feel like it's, m it's my position. Uh, or my right to even really comment about uh, the actions of uh, a company mm -hmm. um, and what what they did. I feel like it was terrible for the people involved, Definitely. and I have so much so much sympathy for everything that happened. It was it was horrendous. Mm -hmm. um, would I have wished it was different? Absolutely, absolutely. The whole thing should have been should have been different, and no one should have lost their job. Um, but it's not my decision, and I did not. I did not ask for anything. I didn't. I didn't want in to be involved in this, and I feel like I have no right on really commenting on on whether or not corporations should. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't. I feel like I'll, I'm already in too deep. I, it, it feels. It feels iffy, man, to touch this. That's what um, I'm saying. I think it might be a little too heavy to go there. Yeah, and I might have to think about uh, it some. But there is. We should all ask ourselves the question of to what extent the words of someone employed by an organization to represent that organization and what is the proper action to take when someone representing an, an organization says something that is, um, says something that is, um, let's say controversial. Hmm. And we saw, uh, what's your face? So the woman who played, um, you watched the Mandalorian. Yeah. So good. Right. Like Amazing. for me, Mandalorian is like saving Star Wars, Wars man. 
Oh, it's so good. Yeah, honestly, it is. Oh, thank God for Dave Filoni and uh, <laughs> John Favreau, man, and all the people involved. But one of the people involved, uh, Gina Carano, got very publicly fired from Disney and from the list for yeah. doing something kind of maybe spiritually like this, speaking her mind on some social issues and making herself the center of controversy. And my sense of it is the reason that she got the boot isn't because there's a disagreement on values. It's more that she made herself a center of controversy. Um, mm. I think, though, that maybe those those bridges are being rebuilt. Like, I read stories about her getting rehired. I don't know. It's muddy. I guess, like, it's just, it suggests to me that this is a bigger problem. Um, but, I mean, in, in many regards, I feel like I'm too close to the subject uh, just because yeah. I was involved with a situation like this. I respect um, that. But at the same time, I, all, all, I also have an opinion about uh all of this stuff that's that's okay. kind of happening in modern uh internet life um what do you want to say about so it so I'll, I'll, I'll so i'll keep it very general i guess all right um because i feel like in a lot of ways uh we cut as like consumers which is what we are uh in this this regard of media um right. it's very easy to kind of to to forget that companies are there to make money, not to actually create support or uh, uh, foster a great change in the world or like awareness with their brand. That's not what they're there for. Uh, the reason why, I mean, the reason why uh, all companies change their logos to be rainbow colored this month is uh, not because they're necessarily backing uh backing uh the lgbtq plus uh, community right. uh in reality they're just creating awareness which creates more uh uh more revenue in the long run that's that's really what it is um, right and so when when it comes to like firing uh people that are creating controversies or uh are controversial or does something that is uh that is out of i mean out of the ordinary uh I understand why a company would do that, would mm -hmm. terminate uh, a, a problematic individual because it's all about money. That's, that's, that's really what it is. Yeah. And, and I, have, I, have no, I, have, I have no sympathy for it, but I understand it. I understand where it's coming from. Um, I would love for it to be much more human-centric, much more... Uh, well, actually, creating change in the world, actually, do, making a making a dent in the in the problems that we have uh, yeah. to solve, but it isn't. Uh, that's not why companies are are there, especially with so many stakeholders in place and uh, uh, stocks being the most important things in everyone's lives. Uh, yeah, investors. Investors. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's yeah, yeah, I, man. I, this is this this is a problem that I'm really interested in, but I of which I'm a complete lay person. Um, yeah, same, same. Just a guy with a, an opinion. Right, right. Like, um, and um, the need to please investors means that these comp companies seek um, stability, predictability, and are risk averse. Right. Yeah. That that's why there is you know fifteen thousand. Marvel Avengers movies and superheroes in them. That's why they keep printing out Star Wars stuff. Um, that's why we'll, we'll, we'll probably see another Guild Wars game at some point. Like, 
Um, it's a franchise. It's easy to build on franchises because they have and to sell new IPs. I mean, people know it. Yeah, exactly. So and it's it's that risk aversion that um, kind of seems like it informs so many of these things. Um, the crappy thing, the interesting thing, though, is um, I think that the era we live in is one where individual voices can have such power in a way they never could before. Um, like it's, I've watched the the public backlash to Gina Carano's firing, and I don't I don't think the situation came went very well for Disney. Is my impression. I don't really get the sense that that was a win for them when they they mitigated that risk. I think there was a longer term risk that they ignored or that they under undervalued when they made that choice. I, I'm not really sure. My, my impression is that as a whole, the internet, the internet has honored these firings of the arena employees by saying that it was a good move. And I'm not saying that I agree with that, but that seems to be the public sentiment that seems to be prevalent among gamers, at least. Um, I think uh, the general opinion when it happened was that there was a lot of sadness about Peter losing his job but also a lot of cheering for Jessica losing her job. The interesting thing, though, is so that... It was, it was a very ambivalent feeling. Um, it felt like when I was reading through everything. Right. We were very divided. Yeah, and I really, I really appreciate that sentiment. I, I wonder if it's based on like a kind of false premise, though. Like the premise being that, that the action that was levied against Peter was at all reflective of his tenure or... Or his involvement, um, I don't know. Like, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really. Know I think either. what what I, was, what I think yeah. what we viscerally want is for these kinds of life changing decisions to be based on value judgments of some kind. And I think that the value judgment that gamers want to project onto this is fairness and respect. And the the judgment of of the gamer hive mind seems to be that. Um, justice was meted out that an injustice to you was corrected um and that um that injustice was like you know 95 percent jessica and five percent peter something like that so them having the same punishment or a consequence let's call it seems a little unjust and that's what, what you're hearing but i don't think that this that the moral judgment this is based on has anything to do with fairness at all it has everything to do with risk. It has everything to do with pub with the public perception of the game that ArenaNet is all is all too aware of. And I think probably what rides at the heart of their decision is the same thing that rides at the heart of the decision to roll back things like um, pure RNG mount acquisition in the gem store, because these both resulted in public backlashes, and they both got a response. And Gamers want a moral story that responds to their instincts, but I don't think it's here. No. I don't think there really is a, a good moral to this story. Um, and I think that's the that's the sad reality of this. Yeah. It, yeah. it wasn't really a happy story with a happy end. Well, let's be real. I hope it, this had a happy ending. Um, and not, not in the sense that... Uh, all the all the stuff that happened back then. I hope Peter and Jessica are doing better than ever. Honestly, Me too. I really, really fucking do. I, um, I want that too. Yeah, and uh, I feel like yeah, yeah. So like, I know we've beaten this this horse to death at this point, but like, 
there's there's a meta level to this that really bugs me. I still haven't figured out what I thought when I think about it. Mm-hmm. Are are you familiar with the the um the media philosopher Marshall McLuhan and his uh, book The Medium is the Message? I am actually. Yes. Holy shit. I have not uh wait, what, what was the big I or the wow, the book? Uh The Medium is the Message? I haven't read the book, I mean, but I've 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 done a lot a bit of a lot of research about this idea. By which I mean I I've watched a lot of videos and read articles. The medium is the message. I've heard about it. It's like surface level. I've heard about it. Okay. Um, so I know I know what what's being referred to here. Um, I need to read this actually. So this, so this goes on. This goes be, on my read because this right perked now. you up. I'll go down this rabbit trail a little bit. See where it goes. Let's go. Um, and I'll explain for the viewers what what the medium is. My understanding of the medium is the message. So. Um, Marshall McLuhan was a Canadian philosopher who, um, if you go to his wiki page, will say, helped laid cornerstone work on media theory. Um, and here, here is his basic, uh, basic idea. Um, let me find a good, the good distillation here. Here's the quote that I think is the easiest to understand. What has been communicated has less importance than the particular medium through which people communicate, which suggests something like if you're listening to me and DeRoyer talk on Twitch or on YouTube or however else, the medium through which you're hearing us says is is communicating more information than what we're actually saying, than what what our words are. Which is a very abstract thought of thinking about technology. Yeah. I mean, let's be real here. Um, But yeah. It it seems like it's it's an argument for deep context. Um, And actually, funnily enough, man, the way I got turned on to this idea is someone who is an article someone wrote defending Jessica Price and named and dropped this idea as a justification. And the Damn. suggestion, okay, the suggestion was that by speaking as a white man, that was part, that was the medium that weighed heavier than the message that you said on Twitter. And that's how I got to learn about this idea. And it's been blowing my mind I... ever since. I definitely see what that. I definitely see what that uh, implies. Um, so this is a very difficult idea. Um, my my thoughts are scattered now. It was like an explosion just went off. Yeah, um, it's, this is a very tough one. So I'll, I'll say a few more words. See what you and other people think. Um, so I, another manifestation of this idea is what he said: is what you print is nothing compared to the effect of the printed word, um, and. It, I think is is a very useful sentiment for reflecting on the true context of things that are said and communicated. Because um, you and I know a lot of talk has happened about this incident, about all the topics you and I have suggested. But this is one that's appearing on Twitch. Why? And why is it that you and I are here? Um, how is it that I got to the point where I was doing this podcast, where I had the ability or the interest to do so? Like, what... What does this say back to me? And is this a is is this just two people who had privileged upbringings, who then fell into gaming because we didn't have to deal with real adversity in our lives, and are trying to pull ourselves out of it? Is that the is that message louder than what we're actually saying? And I just made that up, by the way. I don't know if that's true. It's just an idea. That was good though. Um. So like, and people, I think are. Uh, another another thing that I thought actually Tom Abernathy said this and that was very wise. People don't say what they mean. We rely on context to communicate for us as well. 
and it makes a real mess of evaluating situations like these. Um, here's some other cool takeaways from from McLuhan. Um, he has some very interesting ideas about how the change from um, oral to printed communication changed things, suggesting that oral communication is, is of course, dominated by the ears as a sense organ, and and uh, print is dominated by the eyes, and how hearing, uh, how, how getting information through your eyes versus through your ears is somehow fundamentally different and changes the way the information both arrives and is understood. Um, he also had a lot to say about the onset of electronic media, and he died in the early 2000s. So most of his commentary is before um, the internet really got big. But he suggested that things like radio, TV, and telephone unified people and encouraged participation at the expense of greater conformity. And he suggested that it was the, um, the beginning of an onset of a emerging global village, which I think is dead fucking on. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting perspective, actually. Uh, I, something that just came to mind is, uh, recently I read, uh, Jurassic Park. This is a, this is a tangent. Oh, my good old Michael Crichton. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fantastic book. Um, there, there's a, there's a fantastic quote, uh, at one point from, um, uh, Ian Malcolm, the, the character that is, uh, uh, played by, uh, what's he called? In, in the movie, uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Uh, and in the book, he, he says something to the effect of, I, I don't actually remember if it's in Jurassic Park or it's in uh, The Lost World, but it doesn't really matter. It's one of those two, mm -hmm. uh, where he talks about the internet as being the, the great destroyer of human evolution. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it unifies uh, all thought processes and, and all diversity, and thus yes. uh, no development can ever really uh, uh, take place because everyone just becomes one. Yes. And he sees that as like, he, he explains that as like this, this great, uh, this great end of humanity as like, uh, <laughs> was this the movie or just in the book? It's just in the book. Trust me. They, there's no way they're, they're portraying. He's very, he's a very deep thoughted, uh, character in the I book. I read a lot of Crichton in, when I was a teenager. In the movie, it's like he, in the movie, he's just talking about this droplet and chaos theory. And it's like that, that's the only thing. Um, but, but yeah, the, I I can recommend rereading them if uh maybe I will. I'm actually just picked up I picked up Dune again recently. Um I'm, I always had a really hard time stro uh, getting through Dune. It was like I read I read the first one and then okay. I got to the second one and I was like this became instantly <laughs> like a hundredfold more like high sci-fi super complex and I uh, like I got I got through like half of it and then I put it down for like a, a year. Mm -hmm. And then I picked it up and read the, the last of it. And I was like, all right, I think I'll be good. So I never that, really got past the second one. But yeah. now, now we're going completely off, off site. Uh, yeah, off it's here. it's all fucked now at this point. Uh, yeah, I, I had a similar experience with the first Dune book um, like a decade ago when I first tried it. I, I couldn't get through the first half of Dune, like my first three or four tries. And then I finally I pushed past it. And, um, and, then, and then I just read everything after that. But you're right. Dune that's, Messiah, that's the really second funny. book is a real and reframing rough. and it's completely goes away from the, the hero yeah. narrative that the first book is about. And I absolutely love the first book. Like Everyone I, loves it. I was completely engulfed by it. 
Oh but my yeah, God. anyways, it, just to, like to to backtrack. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. To, please. Like, please. The, the the talk of the internet because uh, I I really just enjoy. I, this was just the last uh, thought. I really please. enjoy a lot of the perspectives on, uh, like from pre two thousands views of mm-hmm. uh, the internet or what it could be. Right. Um, I find that to be very very interesting. Looking at how we're using it today. Yeah. Let's see if I can find this but quote. Do, um, I can't find it. The quote that Google wants me to read out loud is the one that you, sh- you stood on the shoulders of geniuses to accomplish something as fast as you could. Uh, whatever. That's not the one we want. Anyway. Yeah. Like, as it turns out, none of this shit is simple. Yeah. And well, truly. The first time I read that medium is a message thing, just to back this up a little bit, for, back up to where we were before, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. kind of had like a natural kind of like negative response to it. Like, I was like, Ugh, that, I don't want that to be true. Like I want, I want the words that I say and I hear others say to speak for themselves. But the more I think about it, the more true I think it is. And I think the more I think about it, the more it accounts for some of the weirdness in our society about, um, especially around narratives about class and race and gender um, on, at the broader level. And I think uh, there's, I mean, if we if we take it just to like a theoretical level, there are okay. a number of different different. Uh, uh, let's call them theorists um, within the field of, uh, of communication and like just the, mm-hmm. the spoken word the talk about uh, the implied context behind anything. Okay. I mean, it, it just take something like semiotics or um, where it's like, uh, so like semiotics is like the, the study of symbols and their inherent meaning. Okay. It's like a, a, a tree doesn't, uh, or an, a, an apple doesn't really mean anything in itself unless you have the context of like this grew out of a tree. This is edible. All of these things. It's like talking about the, yeah. the symbol symbolism between or behind every mundane little thing that we talk about. Yeah, symbols only gain meaning the, in comparison to to each other. Exactly, and, and then you also take it to like, the level of where uh, um, every single word, every letter is technically a symbol, and what's the implied message there? Like right. it, it goes very deep, and then it it all like boils down to. Everything is contextually based, and there are yeah. there's always going to be something behind uh, the words that are uttered, the symbols that are uh, that are portrayed. Anything that we as humans produce will be contextually based in something. That's why we're talking about is code racist, or can can AI be racist, or mm-hmm. sexist, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, in in a sense, because it's like there's an implied bias from the creators of whatever is mm-hmm. uh, impacting the technology and the symbols that i mean it's now we're getting like uh yes. into like a, a weird so abstract deep. level but so the thing deep. is just to like boil this it is the down, good stuff for me man Go ahead. everything is con- contextually based and yeah yeah that's just the, so the medium is the message is a is a is a really really fun thought it's a very uh i need to read this uh, i think it's very useful I think that because it, it's, 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 it's a really, yeah. there's like a, a 20 page paper out there. I, 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 I'm pretty sure I have the link to the 20 page paper that McLuhan himself wrote about it. I can, I can probably find it and send it to you. Um, but yeah, it's good. So McLuhan also like in the same lecture where he's talking about this, like he had this other really fascinating way of framing something that I just got to, I got to, I want to say it out loud so I can think about it later. You, maybe you find it interesting. Maybe you don't. Um, but he, he talked about this idea of how 
of how violence is self-expression. And he said that the quest for identity is always a violent quest. It's a series of adventures and encounters that create all sorts of disturbances. So abstracting violence to a quest for identity, I think is extremely interesting. And not Does just he, like- is in a very literal sense of violence? No, he doesn't. Is he talking about just the-, the He means the, like, in the most abstract sense, like conflict. Okay. Yes. Okay, or or, yes. or dissonance, um, things being different. Um, and I, I think it's a big part of why uh, superheroes are such a huge part of the uh, the landscape of our of our social narratives these days. What better example of people who form identity through violence? And uh, there's truth then, to that. Uh, the big, big guys beating up the bad guys, or the good guys beating up the. Bad I'm guys sure that you must feel like your search for identity, like in terms of what you're doing now, like has some violence in it. Not in the sense of like beating people up, but in the sense of like like there's conflict. Like you have to contend with things that feel opposite. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I was I was talking about this earlier. It's like uh, I, I said it was I, I it, it was almost a surprise that the obvious didn't occur to me that ever since uh, I was a teenager, I wanted to do creative stuff. And why wasn't I pursuing the, the creative stuff until mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. um, in hindsight, obviously, there's always been this cognitive dissonance like uh i always thought that i wanted something different than the things that i was actually really enjoying and and doing that was mm -hmm. uh, that was that was awesome um so i can i can definitely i mean in a sense it's always been this like rebellion against my my inner desires i guess and so mm -hmm. to 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 use the analogy from uh from McLuhan, um yeah i guess it has been uh a violent struggle with with myself mm -hmm. uh, or the different selves that i i was kind of perceiving uh mm -hmm. contending with yourself world, or contending with the world are inherently violent acts i think that's so i think that idea is so intoxicating i gotta think about it some more though it's a it's a very very interesting thought i'd love to i'd love to revisit this as well yeah uh, we're coming out to seattle we I, can I, yeah exactly after i read the book i'll uh oh man I got to read it. Too I'm now. ready for this. Okay. <laughs> and the other thing he said about this that I think was interesting. So I mentioned the superhero thing, um, but he also talked about sports and he said that he actually, he was talking about sports, but he didn't use the word sports. He used the word games, which for me was very useful. He said, games are a dramatization of typical and accepted types of violence in the business community and that they have no meaning without an audience. Um, yeah, I can actually, well, in, I I agree and disagree. This is a, this is one of those cases where a, a layman is going to to say again uh, that we're uh, all, I slightly yes. disagree. We, we neither of us I know what we're talking disagree about. with this statement. Um, I'll allow you to slightly disagree. I, um, <laughs> because it, in a sense, it's like <laughs> yes, I definitely see uh, a correlation between uh, myself in this regard and a lot of the like a content creation and uh, just the general appeal for the, for a, a lot of people to play uh video games uh -huh. is to like showcase either their skill their achievements their uh outfits their whatever there is going to be there is inevitably going to be an uh, audience or we are going to seek one out but i don't believe that that goes for everyone not everyone wants to be seen in that regard i don't believe that self-expression uh has to be um 
bound to the audience or the presence of an audience. I believe that self-expression and self-actualization can come, uh, can manifest itself in a very, well, solo scenario. Um, a tree falling in the forest? It definitely makes a sound. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to get that one some thought, too. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, yeah. So in, in that regard, I, I see where he's coming from. But I, I, I would venture to say that uh, those are the words of a narcissist, hmm. um, because if if you only see true self actualization and, and self development as as being uh, or having having the need for an audience, it doesn't. I mean, they don't, it just doesn't go well together. I mean, yeah, I'm losing my words here. <laughs> But I don't know, man. I think there's I think there's something there. I'm not prepared to defend it. Sounds like we need to go do our research. Truly. Truly. Yes, as an academic, I'm sure you Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we went we deep down the rabbit hole on this one, man. Dude, oh, this has yeah. been so fun. It has. It's been a really, really great conversation. <laughs> I've loved this. This is amazing. It's like two thirty in the morning now, and uh, it's awesome. Uh, I've had the I've had a great time. Four and a half hours. We've been going for forever. Yeah, honestly, like if I had more stuff to riff off of, I feel like I would like to hang out with you longer because it's just been so fun. Yeah. Um, I mean, we should we should just do this again another time. Oh, I got. Of course, I forgot about something very important to ask you about. Maybe this is a good note to end it on. How do you feel about End of Dragons? Um, I'm very excited. That's okay. The, the preface of this, this whole thing. I think I actually said that at the very start of this whole thing. Yeah, you did. I am very excited for, for End of Dragons. Um, I am, I don't know, I'm apprehensive. Uh, I'm kind of, uh, I'm holding back my hype. Uh, and also, I just wanted to come out in 2022 because I've got a lot more personal time there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just like uh, planning ahead, I don't really wanted to come out in 2021 i i would much rather than just take their time when do you think it'll come out prediction time <sighs> it's an annoying thing because in <clears throat> i mean they are definitely um they're definitely laying uh, laying themselves up for uh, a uh, november uh, or no october mm-hmm. september uh release uh i doubt that that is realistic but then again I don't know what the scope is. So who right. am I to say that it's realistic? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm probably basing my uh, sense of realism off of, uh, or my sense of realism, my uh, my perspective or what I think uh, off of um, my expectations or my hopes and dreams. Yeah. Which, I mean, all honestly, I can do uh, right now. Yeah, honestly, there, there, there isn't much hopes and dreams to really pick off of. I'm too busy most of the time to really, like, in my daily life, mm-hmm. uh, to really go deep on speculating and hoping for whatever may come. Um, what I hope for End of Dragons, and I truly do hope this, is that it's a great uh, fucking expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that by the time that the expansion has released... Uh, ArenaNet has figured out what their next step is, regardless of whether or not that is Bam. something new, yes, or or if they want to continue. But I that's want what them I want. To really, I really just yeah. 
I want. And I don't yeah. mind. The thing, yeah, I don't mind either way. I just kind of want them to make up their mind because and tell us. It seems like and tell us exactly. Obviously, it's make up their mind is such a reductive way of saying this. Uh, it's uh, I'm kind of personifying this uh, this company, uh, but there are, there are a lot of stakeholders in this. Uh, obviously, yeah. that will yeah. No, well, you're opinion. you're calling out something it. that we all that we all experience, which is feeling like we we can never know what to expect, and knowing what to expect is important when you have a relationship with a game or base part of your identity on it, as so many do. Um, yeah. Totally. yeah i today's like i mentioned earlier is the two-year anniversary of the last raid in guild wars 2 is it the last raid yeah. i don't know seems like it i mean i think a 2022 release for end of dragons would be kind of rough i think the waiting period for that would be rough for the community oh yeah oh it, i mean definitely i and i'm talking from a purely uh uh egocentric let's call it that uh oh, yeah, just for you i get I, it man. i i would like it to come out in 2022 i know mm -hmm. A lot of other people wanted to come out in 2021, late 2021, right after all of this uh, season uh, season revisit, uh, living living story, whatever. Yeah, July, it does. It does suggest a certain timeline, doesn't it? It does. Um, it definitely does, especially with the announcement and everything coming after that. But I mean, yeah, I wish they just took their time and made it as great as they could uh, or they yeah. can. But uh, I also realized that. Uh, that is not how business is uh, is, is done. Um, they need a product to sell. They need to mm -hmm. earn a revenue, and they cannot put their development on hold just for an expansion that yeah people will, I mean, lose interest in over over time. Um, yeah, that's the real trick. Is it's it's not just an expansion. It's an expansion plus what's next, like you so wisely called out. Yeah. If we get the expansion to come out and it's two or three months later and we still don't know what's coming out for the rest of the game, then it's it'll be considered a failed expansion um yep no matter how good it is definitely we need to know I what's going on i kind of wanted to just i wish it can just, i hope for it uh that the expansion can stand on its own and just be what it is mm -hmm. because i don't really have i have my doubts as to whether or not anything will follow um end of dragons yeah well i mean after the so, iceberg saga in the last couple of years we have every reason to doubt what the future is yeah, for Guild Wars too. When I talked to to Tom, um, Tom, Tom Abernathy about uh, season four, because um, like I don't know, like you you remember the end of season four when we killed Kralkatork and there's that big end scene, da 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 da, -da, -da yeah. and the reading flying off, and that's like the moment wow. the game should have ended. Yeah. It's like wow, like roll credits, man. Like that's the moment right there. And the thing that Tom said about it was. We didn't know what the future of content for Guild Wars 2 was going to be about, so we wanted to make sure that we really fulfilled this storyline. And yeah. I think that they 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 put a lot more into those releases than otherwise would have put in um, if they knew like what was coming after or there was a plan to do more content or I don't know if the plan was more certain. But uh, I think it's yeah. that, that, that's a pretty cool thing that they said, you know what, we're going to rally behind what could be the end of the game. Um, obviously, it wasn't. Yeah, that's a whole separate conversation about communication and expectations, but let's not do that today. Let's not. Yeah, I've, I've, got, my, uh, I've got my fair share of uh, stories from uh, and emotions around that whole, uh, whole sequence there at the end of Season 4, but uh, 
I think, yeah. I think I'll save that for another day because it's a lot of repeat of what I've already said. Absolutely, Anyways, man. So. Okay. Well, like I mentioned before, this has been amazing. Um, really a treat to sit down and talk yeah. to you and get to know you, DeRoyer. Um, after seeing you for so long in your content and on Tea Time and stuff like that. Um, and thank you for the invite. It's been a real ple pleasure. This is, uh, I'm glad this all worked out. Yeah, me too. Me too. Across the time zones and everything. Um, yeah. So is there anything you want to promote, man? Um, well, I went into this thinking, yes. Uh, okay. And then we started talking about uh, the whole uh, JP thing. And then I got scared. <laughs> Okay. I'm honestly, uh, I'm constantly on on the guard for oh, uh, man. possible retribution from that. Uh, so uh, don't do that, people. But I am go I am going to uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Um, All right. So yes, I do have something to promote. It's something. Uh, it's something a little bit different um, mm -hmm. because I'm I'm not really creating content. Uh, doing uh or at least like guild wars 2 content i That's don't fine. really do anything under the under the banner uh to Royer, uh at the moment okay um but i do i do post on uh my my uh instagram page which is basically just my portfolio for what i do okay um, so it's got a lot of my uh my professional work and just the uh, personal work um that i that i well do it's a bit silent for the moment, but yeah, I, I kind of want to promote that. It's uh, so it's my actual last name, okay. which is why I was kind of apprehensive about this. But uh, then it's uh, it's called Bypless. Okay. P L E S S on B Instagram. Uh, B Y P L E S S. Yes, underscore. Okay. So B Y oh, oh, underscore. I get it. I get it. P L E S S. Yeah. And I can't. And that's that's all I want to promote. Cause uh, yeah, I kind of wanna, I kind of wanna just share that. I uh, I love sharing some of the some of the stuff that I uh, that I'm actually creating. Um, currently, it's a it's a situation of uh, yeah, yeah yeah there we go. Uh, currently, it's a situation of having. Um, I've got a lot of things in the work right now that I am not allowed to share. Uh, so that. that is why it is very very silent right now. But hey, go there. Uh, stuff happens all the time. More to there. come. That's the story. More right? to come. Exactly. Excellent. Good fun. There's always stuff to come. Excited for Check that, dude. Excited for that. Instagram.com <laughs> slash by B-Y underscore P-L-E-S-S. Check it out, y'all. Good shit. And as for, for me, um, I'll just give my postage stamp here. Uh, I'm Deeg. I'm here on YouTube, Deeg. Twitch, Deeg TV. Um, podcasts every week is how it's been and uh i just i think the conversation has the power to change the world i'm not sure how it's going to change but i think it should change and we're trying to do it one inch at a time um i also uh do weekly uh um solo discussion streams on monday nights where i pick a topic and just talk about what i think about it so this previous week i talked about um uh an issue affecting the planet side two community where a new update is going to see several player communities be deleted from the game. And, it, and, it, and they're kind of upset about it. I talked about some of the ramifications of that and how it maybe could have been handled differently. Um, that kind of stuff. Week before that, why I'm not playing Burning Crusade Classic like so many of my friends are. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much it, man. Anything else you want to say? It's been, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. That's all I want to say. Thank you, DeRoyer, and thank you, everyone. Thank you, Deke, and take care, everyone.